0: Coming up on episode 330 wheel bearings, Nicole's back. Robbie's back. we got the Volvo C40 Recharge, the Honda Accord Hybrid, the Alfa Romeo Tenali Plug-in Hybrid, snow tires versus snow socks, more problems with the Blazer EV. Tesla's recall is not quite fixing what it's supposed to. Uh, they're also having problems making batteries for the Cybertruck. Bird goes belly up. Hyperloop One is also done. All that and more coming up next. This is episode three hundred and thirty of Wheel Bearings. I'm Sam Abual Samit from Guidehouse Insights,
1: and I'm Nicole Wakey from the Road Reflective Podcast. Yay! Welcome back. I'm back.
0: Yay! Nicole's back, <laughs> and I am uh, Roberto
2: Baldwin from SAE International.
0: We're all and here. Good to have you back, too, Robbie. We
2: got the band back together. It's Woo. like who got back together in the
0: 80s. Yeah, except, well, I mean, most most of the band got together. You know, most I mean, of them. Yeah. You know, they, they did have a drummer that blew himself up or something like that. <laughs> that,
2: that happens, unfortunately. Speaking of which,
0: did you, did you know that they're doing a Spinal Tap, too?
2: yeah oh, really? i'm excited yeah. it's such a goofy movie it's like everything about it feels like you shouldn't like it's it feels like oh this is gonna be dumb this feels dumb and then you watch it you're like <laughs> it's brilliant
1: and you laugh anyway
2: yeah. Yeah. you laugh anyway and if you're you're a fan of music you laugh if you're in a band then you're like oh my gosh and then apparently touring like big big bands they're like oh my god there's too many things that are real it's like v- <laughs> yeah like everyone, like they make all these political shows, and then most political people are like, most politics
0: is like Veep. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: This is accurate. <laughs> this
0: is the most accurate of all the things. Just the, the, sadly, just the and, and and given you know, given that the the Rolling Stones are still touring, and you know, Keith Richards turned eighty last week. He's you know,
1: eighty. Uh, How do you tour at eighty?
0: He works out all the time. Yeah.
1: Yeah, he looks super. You know, awesome.
0: I, I I can I can. <laughs> it, it makes perfect sense, you know, to do a sequel to Spinal Tap, you know, with Michael McKean and Christopher Guest and and Harry Shue, you know, because they're they're pretty close to that age, if not above that age. So
2: Eddie Vedder turns fifty nine. <laughs> Wow. So there you go, Gen X. We're all I, I understand Stop my it, my Robbie. my aging. I understand how old I am, but it's hard for me to like twist like figure out. I'm like, oh my god, I went and saw the, the breeders, and they're in their sixties. Yeah, the other people <laughs> like, your age are not allowed. Like to musicians, like like musicians aren't allowed to age. Like I am allowed to age, but musicians of like of you know my generation aren't allowed to age. No, and sorry. I go and see them, and I'm like, oh my god, we should go and get like an early bird dinner later.
0: <laughs> yeah, <I> mean, my, <laughs> the first big concert I went to was seeing The Kinks in 1980 at Maple Leaf Gardens in Toronto the Kinks. with In Excess wow. opening up.
2: Oh, my God. That's a great yeah, show.
0: When, when they Right after they had released their very first album.
1: My very first concert was U2, The Unforgettable Fire. What?
2: That's another great concert. I think mine was like Stevie B. He was this R.B. singer in like the 80s or 90s. And I only saw him because I was an FFA, and we would we we lived in Hatchby in Bakersfield. Was the Kern County Fair, and they needed a skeleton crew, which were kids who just stayed at the fair all week and slept in like trailers. And I was yeah. one of the skeleton crew, and at the fair, that's who the band was that was playing with Stevie B. Wow! I'm there the guy know. who's in a been a been a bunch of punk bands, but my <laughs> first concert was
0: Stevie B. That's funny. All right, um, Nicole. Yeah. What have you been driving?
1: Okay. Well, I, I only just got this car and it, there's a little story. There's a little story. I think I shared part of the story with Sam. I have the car again today, Sam. Oh, it's back. Um, it's back. So Wait, I have, yeah, that Robbie, I didn't share it with you. I just didn't share it with you, Robbie.
2: Oh, I, I'm um, excited.
1: Yeah. So super exciting. Um, So I have a car that I actually really, really like. I have the 2023 Honda Accord hybrid, which I took on a road trip back in the summer to that
0: when you went to Accord, New York or somewhere.
1: It's not Accord. it's Accord New York. Oh, it's yeah. Akard, New
0: York. Oh, okay. But it's just, called like Accord. You can it call it Accord. Though.
1: Pronunciation's important. It's like literally the thing. It's like Accord, not Accord. It, although they're really excited about the Honda Accord. Well, it's,
0: it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of like the you know the French named streets in Detroit. You know, DeQuinder and uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly these things that like we know how it's supposed to say. It. We're not going to say it that way. Yeah. So yeah, so I had done a road trip in this, and I actually really enjoyed it. I had like it was a lot, you know, hours behind the wheel of this and then give it to me again right now, which is always great to just have it at home for a little bit. And I had the 2023 Honda Accord Hybrid Sport for uh, three days and it was fantabulous. And then I walked out to it and it wouldn't start. And it was showing me every electronic error that one could possibly conceive of, which I learned because I didn't know that the battery alone can make it kick all these crazy errors because all those systems don't have enough
0: the, the, juice, the 12 volt battery or the, the hybrid battery?
1: Um, No, the regular, not the, not the hybrid battery. The, okay.
0: The, yeah. 12 volt, the 12 volt voltage battery. battery. Yeah. Yes.
1: So it was, so it was caught. So I had all these errors and like, yeah, just jump started. I'm like, yeah, let's have this checked. <laughs> I don't want to be driving a dead car somewhere. So I actually had it towed to a car dealership. That was all of like, it's like practically walking distance from my house. And that was on Friday night before the holidays. So they checked it this morning and they said, yeah, Hey, so you needed a new battery. So we put a new battery in your car and it was covered under warranty. And I'm like, that's great because I'm not paying for it anyway. Um, So they got it all taken care of. Um, Did a couple of recalls on it while it was out there. There were some outstanding recall things to check that they checked. Nice. Um, So
2: giving you a car is like a one-way ticket to maintenance.
1: Apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this car needs
2: a lot of work done. Give it to Nicole. (laughs) I know.
1: What the heck? And then while I had it, it just was because we have two-week loans, it was due for its like – Ten thousand mile maintenance, so I had a maintenance light on. They did that while I was there. I'm like, hey, I got it back and it's working perfectly. So I had it back today. I was kind of excited to have it because I really do like this car. And it's like, man, I wanted. To, I was looking forward to having this for a couple of weeks. So my little Honda Accord Hybrid Sport had a little hiccup. But now it's fine. It's back to happy Honda days. So all is right.
2: Happy Honda days.
1: Happy Honda days have returned. So it's. I feel like I have to report that there was an issue, but very easily rectified issue. So this uh, car, the one I have, it is thirty three thousand four hundred and forty five dollars, gentlemen. Destination. <sighs>
0: nine
1: ninety
3: nine.
0: Sam. I'm gonna go with one dollar.
1: Oh, you should. I, think, I think it's nine ninety five, but now it's actually ten ninety five. Oh,
0: ah. so,
2: yeah.
1: So, Robbie, you win. You win.
2: Yay! I'm a winner.
1: You're a winner.
0: Happy so, Honda days, everybody.
1: Happy <laughs> Honda days, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna say that a hundred times during this episode. Every, everybody uh,
0: gets a Honda Accord Hybrid under their seat. Exactly. Happy Honda days.
1: VTEC is Honda. the
0: reason for the season. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> We're just an ad for Honda right now. That's all we are. That's fine. Uh, so I so I drove this a long time had it for a little bit this week and then had it back again today. Um and I really enjoy driving this. I mean I think this is a good car. 33,4445. It I want to say this board is not it's not base trim. So it's so you can get this cheaper than this if you want. Um there is a gas just straight up gas engine available in the core but I want I think it's just like the base trims, like the base couple of trims that you can get it. So it's like they're Honda's pushing towards having more hybrid and they are gas. They were really hoping they would skew more and more hybrid with this, so they have more trims available as a hybrid. When, when
0: I talked to one of the Honda people at the LA Auto Show, yeah, he was telling me that I think on the on the Accord and the CRV now, they're at about fifty percent penetration of hybrids. So yeah. wow, not half the Accord good. and CRV sales are hybrids now. So
1: and that was at the LA. So yeah, so that 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 tracks with what they were trying to accomplish with this one so and it gets now i haven't had it long enough to really get fuel economy on it because i had it and they reset everything and now i don't know um but it was (laughs) secret in the last five minutes no um but the epa ratings are really good it's 46 city 41 highway 44 combined that's decent fuel economy for That's a. That's nice. It's that, yeah. And the Accord is not a tiny sedan. It's not gigantic, but it easily, I mean, for you could sit three adults in the back. Three would be a little snug shoulder room wise, but two easily. And even with, I push the seats. Pretty far back just to kind of see. And still, I could sit behind the front seat even when it was pushed pretty much all the way back. So, unless you had two Robbies, one in front of the other, you're going to be okay.
2: Double Um, Robbies.
1: Double Robbies. As long as you have one person and one normal sized person.
2: (laughs) A group of Robbies is known as a nightmare.
1: (laughs) A nightmare. As long as you don't have a nightmare, you're okay. (laughs) So, I enjoy driving this. I think it's a nice, comfortable drive. It has plenty of power. Um, It has no trouble getting up to highway speeds. What do we have inside of here? We have a two two-liter four-cylinder with a CVT. The CVT is nice. It, it's it's a not a loud CVT. It, sh, it, it does a good job delivering power. You never feel like you're getting on the highway and suddenly, you know, whoever's behind you is going to be right up on your rear end. Um, and it's just a nice, comfortable car. I like the seats in this too. And, I you know, I thought that when I got back into it today. So the thing is, that meant that over the couple of holidays we had here because we're recording this on Tuesday so it's right after Christmas that we're recording this because they had it over the holiday I drove my own car you know what's really funny if you've been driving really brand new cars all the time and then you have to take your 2010 Dodge Charger everywhere for the holiday you're suddenly keenly aware of how much more comfortable modern cars are than your (laughs) 2010 Dodge Charger well it wasn't even and it's not an insult on my Charger I love my little Charger but it's like Man, I got into this one like this is so much more comfortable. Like it's such a comfy car. It is really a great vehicle and so quiet and so smooth. So in terms of like sedans, if you're going to be doing a lot of driving, this is a great little sedan. I like this. Like I would buy it. And here's the funniest part I can tell the story because it was hilarious. So the guy that I called I ended up calling AAA to come uh, haul the car over to the dealership. And the guy's like, oh, I have an older Accord. I'm like he you know? He's like, yeah, I love the Accord. This is like a 2013 or something. He's like, oh, and it's been great. And it's got like a hundred and what did he tell me, like 185, 195,000 miles on it? I mean, it's not a low-mileage car. He has doesn't really have any problems with it. It's been great, but he sits down. Yeah, but that's just
2: breaking in the engine on a car. It's just breaking yeah.
1: it in, right? That's what he said. He's like, I'll have it until I'm When he sat down, he's like, OK, so come here. And I'm like thinking he's found something horrible when he sat down. He's like, and you know, there's a picture on the instrument cluster of the tail lights of the rear end of a Honda Accord, it shows Uh there. And when you put your turn signal on, it blinks a little turn signal on the picture. When you hit the brakes, it hits little brakes on the picture. He's like, that's really clever. He's like, now I wanna know, here's your engineering question. If my brake, if my light goes out, does my light not work on the picture?
0: I believe that is the case.
1: It is the case, okay, because I couldn't uh, answer that question. Next next I time I have
0: one, I will have to unplug one of the lights. Just light pull pumps. a light.
1: Right? Yeah. Pull a light. And I was so free. I'm like, well just,
0: just get bash Russ to, it to do it tomorrow it. for you. I
1: said, Well, I said they're like, yeah. just bash a tail light. They'll never know. Honda will never notice. He's like, okay. He also loved the wheels on this because it has really dark, like it's a black finish. I should look and see. I don't know that it says. Do you have on the sport here. L exactly. or the Sport hybrid? I had the Sport, the hybrid Sport, so it's not the Sport L, but it had these really nice sort of like a almost kind of like a matte black kind of wheels that it has. So the wheels look fantastic um which i agree with him but i showed him because he doesn't like the wheels that are on his and i said the problem when you have these really pretty matte black wheels is if you curb clip even the tiniest bit uh, oh, gonna... someone has done very one, noticeable you don't it's not like a scratch it's like it doesn't matter it yeah. could be the lightest scratch in the planet and everyone's gonna see it so if you get the really pretty pretty wheels just don't hit the curb just um, never
2: hit the curb never drive it,
1: He was looking at the wheels he's like a little thing he's like this is way more comfortable and again his is a 13. this is great he's like i kind of think i might need to upgrade now so honda may have sold a honda accord sport hybrid (laughs) because this one had a bad battery (laughs) but he thought it was really cool so it was kind of fun to see someone else's reaction to to the car uh and to be chatting with this tow truck driver but and it was just i think the thing that strikes me is it's just comfortable and you want to sit in to be comfortable and you're not buying it like this, the hybrid, of course, you want that good fuel economy. You're not buying it to win races. You're not buying it to be showy. You're not buying it because you want to impress anyone. You're buying it because you want a reliable, smooth, comfortable, efficient car. And it checks all of those boxes. So I really
2: you like, got places to be, that's why you're you buying it. got places
1: it. to be and you want to ha- you don't want to have to worry about it except for that one time in Nicole's driveway breaking down. And <laughs> um, yeah, so I, so high marks. For the Accord Hybrid, I really enjoyed this. I was excited when I found out I was going to have this for the long two-week Christmas loan because this is a car that I genuinely like. And the isn't the Accord, is one of our finalists. Is it one of our finalists? It is one like of the finalists. That's for what I thought. Yeah. Yes. It's our finalists, which we will we be get... announcing January 4th.
0: For the cars, it's the Accord, the, the Ionic 6, Hyundai mm-hmm. Ionic 6. And... Is it... A- the third one
1: oh geez louise that's terrible i should know so oh to- the mustang was it the mustang yeah no was yeah. it oh my yeah. god i don't know i didn't think it was a mustang
2: i'm part of another thing so i don't know what you're talking
0: about <laughs> 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 nicole think, nicole's on all the juries I, robbie and i are I just know. on one each it's just yeah it's
1: just a morph of all the ju- juries all is one wait oh. what was our finalist it was? Now, and I know they just changed one because we... Oh, no, called. sorry.
0: It's the Prius. Uh, yes, Prius there Prime. we go. I'm like,
1: it's not Mustang, Prius. <clears throat> yeah. So those were our yeah. finalists. So Mustang the was a,
0: was a semi-finalist. So, yes. yeah. So the, uh, the finalists for North American Car of the Year are the Honda Accord, Hyundai Ionic 6, and the Toyota Prius and Prius Prime. For Truck of the Year, it's the Chevy Colorado, the Chevy Silverado EV, and the Ford Super Duty. And then for Utility Vehicle of the Year... It is the Hyundai or the Genesis Electrified GV70, the Kia EV9, and Volvo withdrew the Volvo EX30 because yes. they said it's not going to be available until late spring. Uh, and so, rather, you know, if it, if it had been available earlier, they would have left it in. But since it's going to be coming in so late, um, they withdrew it and they put in the, the car that got the fourth number, fourth highest number of votes, which is the Hyundai Kona.
1: Yes, um, so,
0: the so a, a Hyundai Motor Group vehicle will absolutely be the 2024 North American Utility Vehicle exactly. of the Year. It's just
1: a matter of which one of the Hyundai Motor Group vehicles it's going to be. So. They,
0: love, they love
2: those things, too. Yeah. They just build cars that win awards, and then, of course, you know, that helps people because an award-winning car is usually built really nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: You're like, oh, yeah, there you are. It's a good one. A bunch of people said it was good. Yeah, so those are – so, yeah, so we could have the uh, – we could have the accord being, uh, and I, we get to announce it. Are you going to come? Are you going to be at the awards, Sam?
0: I will be there. Absolutely.
1: I will be there. It's I get local to go on stage so. and try not to say anything wrong or trip up the steps. It's the most <laughs> oh, st- be, stressful part of my entire <laughs> job as a member of the you board could, for that <laughs> Have you
2: tried rapping?
1: Have I tried rapping? No. That's not going to happen. <laughs> that is not going to happen. So. <laughs> All
3: yes.
0: right
1: so there you go there's the honda accord sport hybrid in the rundown of what nactoy awards are happening in another week <laughs>
0: um anything else on the accord any no, other thoughts
1: that's, that's that's it those are my big thoughts
0: <clears throat> okay well i also had a hybrid um i had the alfa romeo tonali ti e all-wheel drive um so um you know back in the mm-hmm. summer sometime in the summer i had the dodge hornet mm-hmm. which um uh, was announced summer of 2022 and uh basically was a tonali with the uh with a a dodge durango looking grill front fascia on it um and when the when the hornet came out earlier this spring the the original plan for the tonali when they announced it last year was that it was supposed to be available both uh as a two liter four-cylinder turbo or as a plug-in hybrid and after they decided to make the Hornet, they decided, yeah, we're we're gonna drop the the base model of the Tenali, um, so that you know it's kind of a step up from the Hornet, and so the Hornet, right? At least at launch, was available only with that two-liter turbo, and at some point I think they're gonna get the plug-in hybrid, but um, the, uh, the Tenali is uh, plug-in hybrid only, and this is. It's a, it's a same, same type of plug-in hybrid system that they use on a couple of Jeep models in Europe, on the Compass and on the uh, Renegade in Europe. Uh, so it's similar to what Volvo does with their plug-in hybrids, where rather than like Toyota and Ford and others, they um, integrate the electric motor into the transmission on the front axle. Uh, Alfa Romeo and uh, Stellantis you know, as a whole uh, and Volvo – they do what's called a through the road hybrid so the electric motor is on the rear axle so when you're in ele- electric drive is coming from it's rear wheel drive when it's just in pure electric mode and then the front wheels are driven by the engine and so on the Tenali, it's got a 1.3, 1.3 liter four cylinder turbo on driving the front wheels and 121 horsepower electric motor on the rear axle for a total of 285 horsepower which is pretty Good amount of power for you know smaller crossover like this. Um, the uh, EPA rates the electric driving range of the Tenali at 33 miles, and um, in hybrid mode, uh, that claims uh 77 mpge, um, at, or would combined using that electric driving range plus hybrid mode. You get 77 MPGe in typical driving. <clears throat> and then when you're just in pure hybrid mode, it's supposed to be tw- about 29 miles per gallon. Um, I went and did took this thing on my usual drive loop that I do when I'm testing uh, electric range, for especially for plug-in hybrids. I got 36 miles. Of electric nice. range out of this thing,
3: Ooh.
0: and that's you know without you know, without hyper hypermiling it or anything. I wasn't you know lead footing it. I was just kind of mm-hmm. driving normally, just doing your drive. Yeah, just
1: doing a regular you know, Sam drive.
0: And and that you know that 121 horsepower on the rear axle doesn't seem like a lot, but it's plenty. Um, you know it it's because and and, and Alpha Romeo doesn't list what the torque of the electric motor alone is. Uh, the combined torque with the motor and the engine is 347 foot-pounds. Um, so, you know, uh, it, I'm guessing it's somewhere above 200 foot-pounds of torque from that little electric motor, which works really well. Uh, it's, a, it's a nice combination. Um, and uh, you know, like I said, 36 miles of electric range on a charge, can't complain about that. Um, uh, and then, you know, when you, when you do put your foot down, uh, even when it's in, uh, you know, electric mode, you know, if you, if you floor it, it will turn on the engine, you know, and give you the full 285 horsepower. Uh, the battery is a 15 and a half kilowatt hour battery. It takes a couple hours to charge on a, um, on a, on a, level two charger at home on a 240 volt charger. Um, but probably about two and a half hours charges is about seven and a half kilowatts. <coughs> um, the size of this, uh, of the Tenali, I think is a nice size for a crossover. It's not too big, not too small. You know, it's got reasonable amount of backseat room for a couple of adults. It's not, you know, it's not huge, but you know, for anybody up to, you know, probably six, one, mm-hmm. maybe six, two, uh, you'll be able to fit in there reasonably comfortably. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, you probably don't want to put three people in the back unless they're, you know, very friendly or, or very slim, uh, you know, or kids, you know, you can put three kids in the back. But for adults, you know, two, two is a good size in there. Uh, typical, um, mm-hmm. you know, Alpha. what we've come to be familiar with on Alfa Romeos since the Julia came out back in, what, five, six years ago now. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the, the start-stop button is on the steering wheel in the lower left quadrant. So just below the left-hand spoke is where you find the stop start stop start button. And every time I get back into an alpha for the first time after not being in one for a while, it's like I have to get reaccustomed to where it is. Because <laughs> I always want to reach with my right hand on the dashboard for the stop start button. And of course on yeah. this one it's on yeah, you know, I gotta do it with my left hand or reach across with my right hand. Um and the the Tenali has the um Connect five infotainment system. Which you know shared with most other Stellantis vehicles in North America, um, it you know it works fine. Uh, it's an Android system, but without uh, Google Automotive Services, so it's TomTom navigation, uh, Amazon Alexa for voice, <clears throat> and then a few other things that they've mixed in there as well. Um, it it works fine. the The interface is good. It's it's smooth, fast, um, pretty robust got wireless android auto and apple carplay support um i did find one weird anomaly uh in in, in this one which is uh if i was using android auto wirelessly and i went and i put my phone uh, which is a google pixel 8 pro on the wireless charging pad which is below the center stack normally you know on a lot of cars, most cars you know when you put your phone down on the the charging pad, it'll pop up a little notification saying, you know, charging has started. wireless charging has started, no problem. Um, in the case of the tonali for some reason, um, it would pop that notification up about every three seconds. So, oh. pop
2: up. Oh, so it make a half. connection and losing, making, and losing, uh, and making, losing. It, yeah, it, and it seems
0: and that it. way, yeah. Ah,
2: uh, uh, so that's I, annoying.
0: Yeah, that's so, I, you know, I, I, I notified. <laughs> no. uh, I notified Nick over at uh, Stellantis because he's the PR guy for uh, for uh, Alfa Mail and uh, told him what was going on, sent him a little video clip, and he was going to share that with the engineering team. I haven't heard anything back yet because that was <laughs> just before the holidays. But uh, uh, other than that, you know, everything else worked really well in here. You know, I thought the the ride quality, the, the tuning of the suspension was actually a little better than in the Dodge. Uh, it felt a little smoother, um, you know, but also you know a little more, a um, little better controlled than in the uh, in the Hornet. Um, the like I said, the size is good. Can't complain about the, the electric range. Uh, so you know, if, if you're if if you're looking for you know a premium, you know, and the materials and fit and finish and everything in this thing were great. If you're looking for you know premium compact crossover. Um, You know, the the Tenali is definitely one that's worth taking a look at, especially because for now, at least, it's only available as a plug-in hybrid. So it's all-wheel drive, plug-in hybrid. Um, If you, you know, definitely don't buy this if you don't live somewhere where you can plug it in daily. Yeah, you know, for that matter, don't buy any plug-in hybrid unless you have someplace you can plug it in. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like because then you're, not, you're wasting money, you're wasting yeah, battery. You're just you're hauling, dragging a battery around. Yeah, you're hauling around four hundred pounds of battery for no reason. Yeah, um, but uh, if you, you know, if you do have someplace to to plug it in daily, then it's a great option. Um, the 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 TI the Sprint, uh, which is the base trim level. Uh, starts at 43845 or forty three thousand eight forty five. The TI that I had is forty six thousand five hundred, and the Veloche is fifty one thousand forty dollars. No um, sh- the let's see the as equipped, um, the total sticker price on the one that I was driving came to forty nine thousand ninety dollars. Um, any guesses on destination? Oh, uh, oh, it's the hmm, twelve hundred.
1: I'm gonna go eleven hundred.
0: <laughs> this is a Stellantis vehicle, and we know what Stellantis has been doing with destination charges. Yeah, like that's fifteen
1: what went, huh?
2: ninety-five. Oh, I might say Man, that's thought. even higher than I yeah. thought. I was like, oh man, she got eleven ninety-five.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sixteen hundred bucks wow. for
2: destination.
1: Ooh. Wow. Um, Ooh.
2: My the... first car cost fifteen hundred dollars. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah.
1: A car or the destination fee on your Alpha.
2: <laughs> that was a long
0: time ago, though. So yes. I guess you know. Um, the the only two options on this one were the uh, Alpha Rosso exterior paint, which is five hundred dollars. So it's a nice red, red, bright red, red. paint, uh, and the customer preferred package, uh, which has the uh, Active Advanced, uh, act, Active Assist Advanced package. Um, so that gets you uh, lane centering and. Um, adaptive cruise control, the uh, uh, auto dimming rear view mirror exterior mirrors, um, the uh, surround view camera system, uh, par- automatic park assist, uh, and then the uh, park sense. Uh, so that uh, that was two thousand bucks. So you know, for you know, around about fifty grand, you know, compared to you know, other premium uh, crossovers, you know, I mean competitors for this might be something like the um, Lincoln Corsair Grand Touring, which is also a plug-in hybrid. Um, there's, there's no plug-in hybrid version of the Volvo XC40, is there? Isn't there an XC40
1: um, recharge? Is that a plug-in?
0: Yeah, there, no, that's so, an EV. Okay, yeah, there's so a the recharge EV. Yeah, yeah. I think there is a plug-in of the... I don't think yeah. so. Um, but I think Audi, uh, let's see, Audi's got a Q5... Um, plug-in hybrid, uh, which doesn't get nearly as much range as this, you know. So for you know, and the and the Lincoln was more expensive than this. Um, and frankly, I think you know this was more fun to drive. Uh, you know, it's quite quite enjoyable to drive this thing. So uh, you know, and I did try the uh, the wireless charging pad with an iPhone, no problem. So it was just weird. there was some uh, weird interaction mm. with the uh, with the Pixel Eight the, yeah. uh, that was huh. uh, that was going on here, but. Other than that, um, you know, just like I say, you know, if you're looking for a plug-in hybrid premium compact crossover, um, this should definitely be on your shopping list.
1: You know, part of what I like about—I really like the car too. I think it's a—it's a decent little car. Um,
0: and didn't you like drive a Tonali for the Mele Amelia?
1: I did. I did. Yeah. I drove that for the, the Mele Amelia that they did the warm-up in um, Virginia. What was it? The end of October, beginning of November this year. Um, so I spent a good bit of time in it. Um, really enjoyed driving it. But part of what I like about and also Montreal Verde, the green color, is oh the yes. color you should get because that color is just yeah. nobody else is a green quite that like Mazda for red, Alpha for that green. Yes. Oh
2: yeah, uh, yeah the, the, that's a the, fantastic the Alpha green. greens. Are... Oh
1: my god, it's so pretty. But it, it, you know, the thing with Alpha, you don't see a lot of them, which is so when you drive it, it's unique. Like you get this very, it's it's not as common as you're not seeing it everywhere even. When you go to other sort of premium vehicles there just aren't a heck of a lot of alphas on the road so it's kind of nice to see something a little different i think it stands out and people are like what the heck are you driving so that's a nice little well, fun thing yeah
0: you know, and, and you were mentioning you know the lights showing up the brake lights and turn signals showing up in the mm-hmm. accord instrument cluster mm-hmm. you know on the alpha when you start it up you know it shows you a pattern that is looks like the headlights and the grill the the, yes. the, the, the triangle grill yep. um and then when you shut it off you get you know, it it flows through and gives you the tail lights from, yeah. from behind. Uh, so you know, it's a it's a it's a ni- it's a nice nice little detail.
1: It's nice. Know. I and I, cause I think details kind of make it fun. Like you can buy a well, lot, especially of little, when you're
0: like, spending that kind of money on a car.
1: Exactly. You're spending a little extra, so you yeah. want it to feel a little extra, and it gives you that little extra.
0: Feels a little yeah. nice and
4: nice. A little extra. So at Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins
0: Head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia, and you can become a patron today. Your contributions will help fund the platforms and tools we use to bring the podcast to you. And exclusives and improvements are already on the way thanks to your generosity. So if you want to be part of an automotive podcast like no other, head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia.
2: So I said that I didn't drive anything, and I forgot that I rented a car in in, in Pittsburgh. <laughs>
1: In the Berg, what you drive in, <laughs> in the,
2: Berg? the Berg? I drove the, the Volvo Berg. C40 Recharge.
1: Oh,
3: yeah.
2: they, had in the I rental dro- fleet? they had one in the rental fleet. So Is I showed from, up from Hertz. Yep. From Hertz. And, um, when I got there, it's like, Oh, you get to go to the president's club and you can just pick any car that's over yeah. there. And so I wanted an EV because we have charging at SAE International at the headquarters. Mm-hmm. So I could just go and just charge my car at work. Um, and I'd already had a Model 3, so I was just like, all right, I don't want want one of those again. And I was hoping I could get a Volvo or a Polestar or whatever else they have over there, it hurts. And they had the C40 Recharge. I drove this in Belgium. Oh my God, it feels like a hundred years ago um, when it first came out I really liked it. It's really just the XC40 with a swoopy back. <laughs> It's literally just the X C forty with a swoopy back. And and less less rear visibility. Yeah, you can't you can't see as as much, but it's also just an X C forty with a swoopy back.
1: Exactly what it looks like. Looking at the profiles right now, the two of them next to each other, you're totally right.
2: (laughs) Yeah, no, it's you know, like the X C forty like this like the X C forty, this just has like ways it has so much power. These the X 40 and the C40 have are, have a surprising amount of get up and go. Like you, you're like oh gosh, like it's that's that sort of that's that sort of situation where they have more power than they probably should <laughs> to be honest. Um, but no, I, I liked it. It was really really cold. It was 30 degrees like the entire time I was there. So it really cut into the old uh, the old uh, what do you call it range. range um but for the most part it was comfortable it was more comfortable than the model 3 that i drove from the hertz uh you know barn of cars and uh it was just you know it's just a bit of a nicer experience and what, it has
0: google voice and all that jazz what what was the experience like renting an ev from hertz uh you know like was, it's was pretty charged was, up and... so so i got
2: into the car and had 67 percent charge and you know you get in the car and they just like pick a car and i'm like all right and you get in the car and then you go to the little booth as you're leaving and then they print out the thing and then you have to drive away so they printed out the thing and i drove away and i made i made i made a mental note they had charging stations like along all the parking spots mm-hmm. there but it just at wasn't office, charging at, your, at the or at, at the, the garage station at the, the yeah at the hertz location so yeah like in the in the garage they had charging stations none of the evs were plugged in i don't know why <laughs> so at 67 percent, i'm like all right that's how much i have to bring it back um and then i drove around and you know i did all my stuff and uh i charge it at work but it turns out we had a half day because i was there for a holiday party so i didn't get to charge it all the way so after work uh, you know i just um i went and got some dinner and then i was like oh i'll just go to the ea station that was a failure um so then i went to another station I'm was, shot. There, there was an EVgo go station about 12 miles away <laughs> so i'm just driving around pennsylvania it was you know whatever it's nice i got a i got a i got a chai latte and i had a nice little time just sitting there hanging out um but then i'm sitting there waiting for this vehicle to charge and it's you know it's charging like 70 kilowatts or something and i'm like all right good enough whatever um and i'm reading the thing it's like you picked up this car at 100 Percent charge and you have to replace return it at a hundred percent charge and I'm like that's impossible That is physically impossible exactly. to return it at a hundred percent charge because the paperwork So if you're if you're like thinking if you're like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god How much charge did I have or you're thinking you have to come back with a hundred percent charge because you don't know any better? That's really confusing. That's kind of terrifying to be honest
1: That you have to bring it back because it, it's, it's the impossible paperwork.
2: It's impossible. Well, there it's was like clear. one charging station, yeah. like five miles from the from the uh, from the you airport can't. that you could go to. But it, let's say I went there and I waited till it charged to 100%, which you're is just dumb.
1: You're well, and, um, and it, it's not 100. You're 99 something. And like... then you're
2: like, get there and you're like 98 because it's like 30 degrees outside. I showed up 68%. I felt really good. <laughs> <And> <laughs> so it, what and did it, they it, say? Did they say anything when you showed no, up? Oh, there was no one there because I, I, I had a 6 a.m. flight, so I just did left the car. Did they charge you or
1: anything? Because nope, r- because I double checked. Russ, oh, they didn't, okay, because Russ had rented, he got a Polestar once, I want to say it was Polestar from Arts, mm-hmm. and the first time he rented it was like, he was also got stuck by that, like, it's at a place where you could charge, and it's like, it was at like 52% charge, and he thought he would have 100% to get where he wanted to cause this big headache, he's like, I wasn't planning on stopping to charge the second I got in the car, so that was a surprise, but then also it said, like, he's like, oh, you have to bring it back 100%, and he's like, how? <laughs> like... <laughs> <laughs> how would one do that so he's like i bring it back as close as i can and he looked at it wasn't a charge but i'm thinking i i know people who said they won't get one because they're like well i don't want to i'm worried they are going to charge me something like what's the quote fill up
2: so i so i would just take a picture because like if you if i get a gas car and it's got three quarters of a tank i have to repl- turn it with three quarters of a three tank quarters that's of a tank. that's the rule right um if i get an ev i think it should be charged to about 80 percent That seems like a nice fair number, 80%. You can charge it to 90. It's going to take a little while, but it's not, you don't lose too much speed as you go from 80 to 90. And then you can show up at 80%. 70% I think is ideal, to be honest. Yeah, it's.
1: I've heard this complaint, so I'm glad. But yeah, but the the idea, like,
2: like, the idea, like, I'm like, nope. I took a picture of it and there's no one there. You just leave the keys in the car right. and walk away. Yeah. And I was just like, "Well, I'm getting ready. I'm like, I was like cracking my knuckles. I'm like, I'm getting ready to fight get with somebody." Fight, and man. On on Tuesday when I get back from from because I was flying to New York. When I get back from New York, I'm getting ready to
1: fight. <laughs> <laughs> He's all like wound up.
2: Oh my! Like, Here we go. Here <laughs> we, we go. Mean?
1: Thank you, sir. Oh wait, thank you, sir. Okay, bye. <laughs> but it was crazy that
2: it wasn't even plugged. Like all these EVs were sitting there, and then there was charging stations, and none of them were plugged in.
0: I'm like. Hmm. And, like, and this, is one of, this is one of the problems that you know rental companies like Hertz have with doing EVs is you know especially like at their their high volume airport locations. There, with gas vehicles, they typically turn those around in about twenty to thirty minutes. So when when you bring it back, it's usually that same car is usually rented out within half an hour. Again, gone gone with somebody else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so charging, it turns out to be a real problem for them. Now, you know, at a lot of the Hertz locations, uh, you know, when they when they did their last earnings report, they talked about their, their challenges with EVs, um, you know, among which, you know, it turns out they bought all these EVs and a lot of their locations didn't have chargers but it yep. sounds like you know in well, Pittsburgh they at least had chargers but they weren't
2: using And it's a, it's a small it's a small airport too it's yeah, not a big, it's it's, big it's, yeah it's not it's not a big airport so but, they're not they don't have to turn them so I, that's why I'm like still confused I'm like why are these things not but, being charged but, but from
0: from <laughs> from other other uh, anecdotal LAX? reports I've heard yeah yeah <laughs> uh, other exactly. other reports I've heard you know at at some locations they're actually having to send staff you know send staff from their rental location out with these EVs to a local public charger Jesus. and sit there and wait while they charge and then bring them back again <laughs> that which yeah, you know, that is not very cost effective for no. you know for a run i
2: feel like if you're a, if you're like evgo or electrify america you should just be like hey i'm gonna put up a giant station next to all of the 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 ev or the yeah, uh, I mean, they, the they, rental right? places and then i'm gonna charge market rate i'm not giving you a deal yeah and they're all going to be there. Like, well, we got to charge. You just, just have to make sure they all work. They'll have the to. They'll have to have like people on staff to make sure the machines work because you, you know. It'll well, be a new you know, job
1: and, description. Just like, what do you do? I just charge the EVs for Hertz. That's all I do. Yeah.
0: And you know, <laughs> we with with gas cars, you know, you go to a gas station, even if the gas station's a couple of miles away or you know five not. miles away.
3: Yeah.
0: You know, you, you fill it up. You know, and it's still basically. You know, the gauge is still showing full. It's not it doesn't give you that level of precision. It
2: could be at like ninety-five percent and still yeah. show and completely full. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Whereas, you know, in an EV, you know, it it's showing you exactly you. what the state of charge is. You this know? is yeah. exactly here one oh
2: seven point three four they need, kilowatt hours. Yeah, <laughs> they,
0: they, like you said, they need to have like a minimum, you know, like you know, say ninety percent or 90% whatever whatever they want it to 80%. be. You know, if yeah. they want it full, it should be, you know, more than ninety yeah. percent. you think about too, depending on where
1: you're renting a car from yeah like if you really are rent like if you're really kind of in the middle of nowhere especially if you're not bringing it back to the same hertz that you got it from if you're doing road you don't know what you're going to run into for ev chargers when you get to the other hertz location you might not have one like you said robbie you might have to drive a little bit from wherever you charge to the airport how are you gonna like that's impossible that's
2: literally why i got the model 3 the first time i went over there because i'm like well i know tesla's charging infrastructure is everywhere Yeah. So I'm exactly. gonna get this because I've never been to Pittsburgh. I I want, you know, I wanted, you, know, you know, I'm the I'm a sustainability editor. It'd be nice if I showed up in <laughs> an EV. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and and of course, electrify America was, you know, right on par with. It their was usual like it
2: was like a quarter mile away. I could see it. I could see the electricity <laughs> from my hotel, <laughs> and it's like two machines are down. Nope, now three machines are down, but two of them are available, and I'm like. All right, fine. So I went out, drove, and it turns out those two that weren't of it, the three machines were down, but two of them were in use, and there was someone waiting. And I was like, and I just pulled up the like, like you know. (laughs) Uh, one of the charging th- the apps that shows you yeah. all the chargers and I'm like, all right, there's one ten 10 miles away. I'll just go get a coffee. I'll, you know, I'll stop by Starbucks. It'll be a nice little trip. I like driving. So yeah. it's not that big well, of a obviously- deal, but if you're like, I got things to do.
3: Yeah.
0: Could, you could just go, you know, say, Hey, Google, you know, find EV charging stations near me and it'll pull them up on the Google maps.
2: Yeah. I could have done that too. I, I always forget about that just because most cars are good at that still. Yeah. <laughs> like my car my hyundai my hyundai kona doesn't have anything fancy like that
3: Aww. Yeah.
0: um all right well um so what's the weather like uh where the two of you are right now it's, um, like, it's
1: like april let me
0: see. okay yeah let me see it's, it's about it's, the same here
1: it's currently 42 degrees uh and it's really foggy and a little bit drizzly so it's very so, unwinter where i am
2: it's
0: it's it's 51 yeah. here in, in
1: ypsilanti
2: it's 55 and cloudy and
0: gusty winds, with gusty a little bit of rain. Winds.
1: Ooh, there's some other. We get a lot
0: of gusty winds. And there, winds. there were. There, I mean, I live next, next to the water, of course, and there were people out playing golf yesterday.
1: Were they really? Yeah. yeah. Cause and it's today, warm. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, well, um, in some places, they apparently still get snow. Um, and uh, Canada, <laughs> the no way. Uh, T- TFL posted a good video uh, uh, last uh, about a week and a half ago um where uh, tommy Micah roman's son did a comparison um with uh uh comparing all season tires snow tires um snow chains and snow socks have either of you ever tried snow socks I have i've tried them, never I have tried snow them. socks yeah, i've I only
2: i've only put chains on one car in my entire life even though i grew up where there was snow yeah. because everyone in my town refused to put T- uh, chains on their cars are like no <laughs> <laughs> like the, the whole town just was like no
1: <laughs> yeah i've never seen chains on a car i've only ever i've never put them on a car i've never even driven a car with them because i've never been in a situation where i actually needed them
2: yeah i, I had to going to tahoe because tahoe's like it's windy roads like tahoe snow is like super dense and thick so it's really slick uh it's called sierra cement <laughs> So they make you put chains on, if, yeah. and I was in a friend's well, car. I, I know, and, and there's, never there's again. Signs <laughs> as you
0: drive up the mountain, you know. It says, you know, chains. snow chains from here up. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, it turns out that in this test, the uh, snow socks actually turned out to be the 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 most effective, way more effective than the uh, than the chains or you know just snow tires. Really? Um, yeah. And so what these are basically, you know, it, they call it a sock. It, it, it's essentially kind of like a sock that you put on your, your tires um, and it wraps over and you, you take it out. You, you wrap it over the top part, you know, like, you know, the three quarters of the tire. Uh, and then you get in, you roll the car forward a foot and then put the last bit of it on. Uh, and it's made of this woven material that actually grabs the snow. And turns out, you know, that w- um, when you actually have the snow Snow on snow is when you actually get the best traction Um, and you get by far the best performance in terms of both acceleration and braking with the snow socks. You Uh, know,
1: it's funny when the snow sock, when I was in, I did rent a car while I was in Europe and I was in Switzerland and they had a whole bunch of these behind the counter, little packs of snow socks. That you could rent. And that was like the first time I ever saw them. But I guess, you know, I guess they kind of know in Switzerland what they're talking about maybe.
0: Well, I, I, I was so impressed by what I saw in the video that immediately after watching it, I went on Amazon and ordered a pair of those and had them sent to my daughter who lives in in Denver. Has uh, she tried cool. it yet? Not, not yet. Uh, but you know, like, you know, in, in, Den- in the city of Denver, they don't get as much snow, but you know, if she goes up to into the mountains, you know, to go skiing or snowboarding or something or, you know, do, do something in the, in the mountains, you know, she,
2: whatever the kids you know, are doing these days.
0: Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I sent them to her and said, here, you know, put the, you know, just keep these in the back of your car. Cause they don't take up a lot of space, you know, keep them in the back of your car. Cause I know last year, um, you know, she went somewhere, um, and, you know, bar- had borrowed a friend's Subaru. She, she's, yeah, she's now, she traded in a couple months ago, traded in her Toyota 86 for uh, a new Mazda CX 30 with all wheel drive. But, you know, even with the, the Subaru last, last winter, you know, she got stuck somewhere and called and was asking, you know, what's the best thing to do? And oh, because so
2: she's so low to the ground.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. well, that was with the Subaru, not not with the the. Yeah, things. yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, you know, figured probably good for her to have these snow socks. So, um. Yeah. The, you know, you should I'll I'll have, we'll have the video in the in the um, uh, show notes, but you know, it's worth worth a look uh, to see how well these things perform. They're pretty impressive. Are they easier to put on than chains? Oh, way easier than chains. Chains are such a huge pain in the butt. And that was one of the things, you know, they were were timing, um, you know, how long it took to put on the chains versus putting on the snow socks. Oh, God. The chains took – to put snow chains on the two front tires, I think, took them something like 15 minutes. The snow socks took two and a half minutes.
2: Yeah. When you drive up to Tahoe to go snowboarding or skiing or any of that stuff, they have guys who just hang out alongside the road – to help and put you on just pay chains. them like 40 50 bucks to put oh, your chains put on, on so yeah, yeah they'll just rent. put them on for you yeah yeah so me and a friend he, he's like hey let's go snowboarding i'm like all right cool and then I, he pulled up in his car and i'm like oh no and then we drove up <laughs> and i was like ah oh. i think my wife needed the car that's why i wasn't driving my car my subaru and um we had to pull get out and put chains on us so like, this have is to the worst
1: change. do you have to have chains even at, like someplace where you have to have chains? You st- like if you have snow tires, you if still you have, have all chains. season, if you have all wheel
2: drive and all seasons are better, you can, you can, you can continue up the hill.
1: Okay. So if you had an, okay. So all you need is all wheel drive in all seasons. You don't even yeah. need snow tires. So the snow yeah. would the snow sock work sub for the snow chains. If you did. Oh yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. I'm the sure they would. Work? It, and you can like get a red it, one. So it looks like your cars are
1: it? like,
2: I, I believe they would. Yeah. Okay. They, I'm sure and they, they
0: would. and the, the only thing to keep in mind uh, with either chains or snow socks is you're limited to 25 miles an hour. Yeah, you really you gotta go really slow. Oh,
1: so it's just slow speed driving, which I guess you have changed. your yeah. I mean, if you're driving on the snow like like
0: that, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, you know, if you if you're able to get beyond those speeds, you know, then you should take them off.
2: Yeah. So, but I I I did have someone in I was in the Subaru and someone had snuck up at the Subaru with like summers. (laughs) (laughs) Oh (laughs) jeez. And he couldn't pull out of the spot because was a tiny little incline, and so he, he parked his blue his blue car it looked just like mine. It was the Bug Eye, you know, early 2000s, WRX uh, Sport Wagon next to mine. And he could not pull out of his spot, and he starts sliding into my car. And I'm oh, just standing no. next to my car, holding his car off. <laughs> and I, I finally I was like, Do you want me to pull your car out? And you know, he's just frustrated and like dude, you know, he's got he dude anger. He's just like, Oh, right, right, right. I'm like, How about, we can help you push? That when I when I said that, Would you want me to help you? Do you want me to pull out for you? You got really you could tell I like bruised his ego and I felt bad asking after I said it I was like we could we can just push you out we'll just and then we become... just I just I just don't want you hitting my car
0: yeah well what you should have done was just wait here for a minute hopped in your car pulled your car out
1: yeah now go yes now yeah. go,
0: do, yeah. do what you want
2: yeah the wheels just spinning I'm like all wheel will
0: drive doesn't help you when you got uh because it's just ice Summer, in the parking nothing. lots at a yeah yeah, yeah. That's just my little been there, yeah. done that. Not not with snow tires, or not with summer tires, but yeah, been in those conditions.
2: Also, he didn't like understand. <laughs> he didn't know how to drive in the snow, so he was just like gunning it. And I'm like, no, dude, come on. <sighs>
0: um, all right. Um, last week uh, when Stephanie was here, we talked about the Chevy Blazer EV. Uh, both of us had had a chance to drive it the week before out in California.
1: I didn't get to drive it because I was on vacation. Yeah. What I, ding it... ding ding ding.
0: So. Overall, you know, we were both quite impressed with it, you know, from, yeah. from the driving experience. You know, okay. the during the time we had to drive it, we had about an hour, hour and a half the first day, about three, three and a half hours the second day in the morning before we flew back. And I think we, we drove, uh, what, probably about 200 miles all, all in um, uh, between the two sessions. And really impressed with it. It, you know, drives really nice. It's a little... I think it's a little bit too wide. It's like four inches wider than a Mach-E or, uh, or uh, a Model tip. Y. Um, and it's it's also very heavy. Um, and it's also very expensive. Um,
1: What's the starting price on, the, on it? Um,
0: well, right now, they have uh, the the 2LT with uh, the E all-wheel drive is like $53,000, $54,000. For a
3: blazer. The,
0: the base front-wheel drive LT, oh. when it comes out, Sometime next year is going to be just shy of fifty grand.
2: Well, that's too. I'm long. just going to keep and saying for a blazer.
0: I'm, the, just, I'm the, sorry. Yeah, the the Ouch. the rear wheel drive RS, you know, which is the most powerful version they currently have, uh, is like sixty one thousand dollars. If oh, no. if you if you configure it, get this.
2: Oh. The you, look on your face is like you just ate a lemon. You're like,
0: <laughs> no. If you configure no. it similarly to a, to a Cadillac Lyric. It is actually more expensive than a lyric. lyric. Oh, no! It's wow. the same battery, same in, same motors. It's the same platform. <laughs> Such it's a the weird same size. Okay, fine.
1: Okay, heavy.
0: <clears throat> or you can just get a Maki or a, a Ionic Five. But, but it, or... it drives really well. You know, okay. the driving dynamics were really good. The seats, the front seats do kind of suck. They're too flat um, oh. and don't don't have enough support. And I'm sure the the SS will have better seats, but the RS should have better seats than it does. But a price. I, I think I think what yeah, they do is they, prices, they put the cop prices. car seats, because there's going to be a police version of this, they put the cop car seats in the RS, and, you know, start. they always say, you know, for cop cars, they, they don't have the really tight side bolsters, because the cops have the big utility belts, and they're getting in and out, and I think that's what they put in these RSs, but we didn't have any issues with, you know, any technical issues with, you know, a couple of different Blazers that we drove during the time we were there, Um. Infotainment system worked really well, uh, and this is you know the first of their Android automotive systems without CarPlay and without Android Auto support. Um, and there's a video on the Wheel Bearings YouTube channel where I did a walkthrough with one of the uh, the product managers of the infotainment system. You can see how it works with with an iPhone. Um, it all worked fine for us. However, um, others that have got had these the ones that they had at the drive program were great well Others, i heard a couple so, a
2: couple so friends much. a couple other oh. people i know were on the drive program they had some where the like the infotainment system just turned oh, off oh did yeah it? Okay. so there was there was a few little yeah. weird glitches and they're like okay you know like when we had the lyric they're like all right these yeah. are pre-production oh, what are you gonna do
0: well um you know they've actually been selling these they started delivering these in october to customers to paying customers yeah, that's actually the weird late thing. september Um, and Edmonds bought one, they got, they got their hands on one of the very first ones sold to a customer. Um, and they were actually, I think they were actually driving the blazer down from their office near LA down to Delmar where the drive program was and ran into a whole bunch of issues with it. Um, the, the infotainment system went bonkers on them. Um, the, uh, uh, they only have 1600 miles on it. Um, and the, um, when it went into the dealer to get checked out, it had 23 fault codes. Oof.
3: 23.
0: Yeah. Um, so
2: many fault. Codes.
0: <laughs> and, and I'm pretty sure it wasn't just the 12 volt battery going dead. Yeah. Um, Cause they, they, you know, they had fault codes like, uh, well, service, the 12 volt system service, the high voltage system service vehicle soon. Um, the infotainment system unable to charge service charging system. I mean, there's all kinds of issues. Wow. Um, and then, um, the week after the, uh, the drive in California, um, the, uh, inside EVs got one, uh, one of their writers, um, Kevin Williams, uh, got one delivered, uh, to his home in Ohio from the press fleet, from the GM press fleet. And he was, uh, driving it to, I think he was going to, uh, Virginia, uh, for the holidays. And within 28 hours after he got it, it left him completely stranded. Um, it, he had plugged it in to an Electrify America charger, um, after which it started getting all kinds of problems. It, he, was, he was having problems with the infotainment system crashing even before that. Uh, but then after trying to charge it at an EA station, it, it was just completely dead. Um, and this is this may not this part of it may not actually be a GM problem because there's been reports of other vehicles. Uh, I know there was some Mach-Es that got uh, bricked after charging at EA stations. You know they fry, it actually fried the, the charging system on the car. Um, so it may have been something related to that. Um, but you know he, he ended up abandoning the car at this charging station and renting a car to finish his trip. And, you know, left the keys with it and GM sent a flatbed to pick it up and bring it back to Detroit to try and diagnose it. Uh, but, you know, the, the I think like a day or two after this story came out on Inside EVs last week, GM issued a stop sale uh, to all their dealers mm-hmm. to stop, you know, stop deliveries of the uh, Blazer until they figure out what's going on. it sounds like from some of the issues – it's not because of some of the other problems they're having it it's clearly the infotainment system is not the root cause it's the underlying software platform uh, or maybe even the battery management system uh, software but something else somewhere in the vehicle is causing these vehicle, these blazers right. to just yeah. die
2: that's not a good uh that's not a good luck
1: it's not a great way to lunch
2: it's it's also uh it's also uh you know that's some, that's some bad timing. They're like, we're gonna get rid of CarPlay and electric vehicles because our infotainment system is gonna be awesome. And then this. Yeah, well. <laughs> and whether or not it's the infotainment system or not, uh, the fact that infotainment system just turns off means that's the, the and then they, they said, well, we're getting rid of the infotainment uh, phone projection because it's, it's it's not stable. And when it dies, people have to look at their phones. It's so a well, safety to this issue. Yeah.
0: Well, in, safety. In, so in this case, <laughs> even if they had CarPlay and Android Auto, it still wouldn't have worked anyway because the whole screen was blank. Yeah,
2: yeah, but it's that, but, that the, the, the idea that that was their yeah. one of their reasons. By like months later, they're like, oh yeah, and it's this. This is the reason. You're like, is it though? Yeah. And then this happened. You're like, oh. Ah.
0: <laughs> but Not you know, back back last spring when you know when they announced that they were dropping smartphone projection from their EVs, you know, I said at the time that. Yeah, you know, It's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, I mean, I, I've used a lot of Android automotive infotainment systems, including in other GM vehicles, and they work fine. Um, but you know, it, it's up to GM to actually execute on doing this right if they actually want That's people to believe that, that they don't need yep. rejection. I had a
2: whole conversation with them about it. I'm like, you can't say you're going to stop doing a thing until you have something better to show. That's yeah.
1: the thing. If you're gonna and they're like, oh, yeah you have to like it's like, okay everyone's a little bit reluctant to accept that you're making this change for good reasons so once it actually happens you better have that sucker nailed down it's like oh you don't that's not. Uh, oh no no trusts at all
2: it's a bad it's a bad winter for and fall for gm right now bad, yeah bad. but you know it, you know the, the the bolts were catching fire at one point and those things sound like hot up I mean, yeah. for so the next guess, few days right?
0: at least until they're all gone i mean they've stopped yeah production. they've ended production and you know, whatever's on the dealer lots are on their way to dealers. That's you know, it. that's it.
2: Oh, uh, we should get pour one out for the can. bolt. Yeah.
0: get your bolt while you can.
1: Poor little bolts.
2: It's so hard to say goodbye <laughs> to yesterday. <laughs>
0: uh, all right. Um, speaking of software problems in EVs. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, <laughs> speaking of software, which, by the way, software is really, really hard. Yes. If before, before, and it's it's especially hard because you have to deal with cars and cars have to be cars so it's you know Well, my phone this app on my phone works fine yeah if the <coughs> app on your phone like goes a little wonky your car doesn't you, you know you don't go veering into a ditch right. yeah. totally <laughs> different you re- deal you
0: restart yeah. your phone it's all good you know, yeah nobody dies
2: yeah no one dies your it's car goes so, off
1: on its own um
2: <laughs> that is an excuse to everyone but it's i just want to say software is super super hard ask ask volkswagen oh yeah looking for forever to get that infotainment system you know the Volkswagen. The people at Volkswagen are looking at GM. And they're like, "Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Ours are just laggy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> ours
0: doesn't completely crash, die, still and
2: burn. Sort of. Yeah. Uh,
0: I remember and the first has, ID. It has, it has gotten a lot better. You know, the the e-
2: Oh yeah, no. I I drove, when I drove the ID fine. Buzz, um, it was it actually did all the things it was supposed to do. Yeah. And I was like, "Oh, good job. That's, that's all it has to do. Just do so, the things."
0: So anyway, Tesla, the company that's supposed to be great at doing uh, software. <laughs> Um, you know, last week they announced uh, a recall of, of 2 million Tesla vehicles. And you know, I'm not going to go through all of that again, but, uh, you know, it was supposed to make some changes in the way they do the driver monitoring. Well, Consumer Reports, you know, they, they own uh, several Teslas as part of their test fleet because they, you know, they buy most of the cars that they're, that they're testing. And um, they got the, the software update, the OTA update for the recall from Tesla. And so they went out and tested their cars. And turns out it doesn't really change anything, which is pretty much what I expected. Uh, you can still cover up the uh, the in cabin camera, uh, and the system will still work fine. Um, you know, so. But you know, there's also been a bunch of other reports from other Tesla customers, you know, on on various social media sites complaining about, yeah, now now this doesn't, you know, some other things like their forward collision warning doesn't work and. Auto steer doesn't work and other other things don't work. So um, and near as I can tell, Tesla has actually done at least five different revisions of their software since the initial recall OTA. Uh, Whoops. (laughs) whoops. It still has some broken stuff.
2: The fact that you can cover up the camera is it's like if I look away from that BMW camera for more than like three seconds, it loses its mind, which is great. I I, I think one of the first like eyesight in the uh, Subaru is the one that's inside. Like it doesn't even have anything to do with your driver's assistance. It's just watching you. And if I'm looking at a house, at the numbers on a house, it yells at you. You are not
1: paying attention. I am.
2: (laughs) Which is like, to be honest, like that's that's what we need as humans at this point because we have so many distractions our phones and the infotainment and all those things that are going on we need someone to just scold us in the car (laughs) um yeah we just yeah we need a. we need a yeah i know the people nanny cam that's
0: yeah uh so um yeah so you know if if you've got a tesla and you're getting these updates um things probably still aren't working great for you
2: sorry at um, least it didn't turn off yeah, this is Tur- still going.
0: Yeah, Tur- turns out hardware is also really hard, uh, not just software. <laughs> this whole uh-huh.
1: car thing is complicated. Guys.
0: Cars are so hard. Jeez. Yeah. someone <laughs> told me they were easy. That yeah. someone was a fool. <laughs> lied. Did do you remember the uh, the Tesla battery day in twenty twenty? When, oh, my gosh, yeah. Was this the, the one who was, about, oh,
2: yeah, they were outside, and they were talking about the new battery, yes. Yeah,
0: the 4680 yeah. battery. 4680, themselves. yeah. And uh, they were talking talking about doing dry coating of the electrodes and all kinds of other cool stuff that was going to slash the cost of the battery by more than half. Um, well, they're still not able to do much of that. <laughs> oh, it's <laughs> – you know, they're, uh, they're having a really hard time with dry coating the cells – um especially the, the cathodes they can do the the dry coated anodes but they can't really do dry coated cathodes yet um and apparently they're still only able to produce enough 4680 cells uh to build about 24,000 cyber trucks a year at max great. Um, and they're, they're aiming for about 10 times that many
2: yeah, that's not a lot. Which again, I think that I, I, I'm just gonna keep saying the Cybertruck. They, the, in its current iteration, they should have said, you know what, we're only building like a thousand of these a year. If you want another one that's built like a regular truck, yeah, <laughs> we can have those all day. <laughs> but no, tech, they Tesla, Tesla. You know, you they can't
1: double down. They're not double it. down. Yeah.
2: So, you know, twenty four thousand people are going to get their trucks this year, and then the rest of the I don't even know how many people are actually on that list anymore. Who knows, um. They just have to wait till next year, or until they they figure it out. I mean, GM's having
0: problems with Ultium. Uh, yeah. Well, they're they're having problems with the module assembly. They're, they're apparently yeah, they're, the they're robot okay with, or something. Yeah, apparently they're doing <laughs> okay Robbie's with building cells. Robot.
1: He's waving his arms. I am a robot. <laughs> Sorry, I, I was doing I was doing factory floor robot hands. I know <laughs> I this exactly is not a visual a medium. Just, <laughs> he was doing a great job though.
2: <laughs> if you're at home, just grab your arm and fling it around fling like around. awkwardly. Mm-hmm. That's what I was doing. That's what Robbie
1: was doing.
0: Yeah. Per- apparently, according to this Reuters uh, story. Um, to uh, to meet their production goals for the uh, Cybertruck, the 250,000 a year, they would need to be making 340 million 4680 cells a year, or about a million a day. Um, and uh, currently, um, they're able to produce um, about 10 million every 16 weeks. So about one, it takes them about a week and a half, a little more than a week and a half to make a million cells, mm. rather than one day. Oof. Yeah, so wow.
2: You know, I should have. Again, <laughs> thousand a year. This new cell we're working on. We're gonna put the old cells in the regular but truck, you just
1: and we're gonna be put. listening to Robbie and it all be
0: just fine. It, and uh, apparently, you know, on a on a regular cell production line that's working properly, they have about a five percent scrap rate of the cells coming off the line. Wow, um, they're getting about thirty to fifty percent with the 4680s right oh now.
2: my gosh yeah wow what's the industry average for the scrap rate
1: that's what i was just wondering what's the average uh, I, I think that we know
0: i think i think that's the five percent number
2: about five percent everyone's paying yeah. about five percent all right yeah da, da, da. i want to I'm, I'm you know what? i'm going to talk to hyundai and mercedes when i see them at
0: ces so, so uh cool. yeah they they uh the um, the the dry coating process not working out so well for these larger cells. They can do it for for really small cells like little button batteries and stuff like that, but that's not very useful for an EV. <laughs> it's just a bunch of watch batteries. Yeah,
2: we're gonna fill it with watch batteries. If you've seen the, the TV show The Watchmen, two, bat- two, two million watch batteries. <laughs> Two million they Just, they just fill up a bucket truck. and just pour it's it all into the cyber in there <laughs> As you turn it's like it's like one of those rain sticks. You know yes. the rain stick when you turn it upside <laughs> down it makes that noise. You know what I would be fine with a rain stick sounding car for about a week
0: and that day eight I'm like no, I don't I can't no.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right, so let me ask have, have either of you two ever rented a, an electric scooter, an e-scooter?
1: Never I, once in my whole life ever
2: my friend rented one and then i wrote it just so because they were having problems writing it i'm like well let me try and i was like oh this is fine but i I, i've i have uh um i'm dumb i have zero fear when i'm actually doing things and i used to skateboard as a you know as a kid and a teenager and in my early up to my early 20s but no i never rented one because i just like eh, i'll just take the bus
0: (laughs) (laughs) well Last year when I was leaving the Detroit Grand Prix, um, uh, the last one on Belle Isle, uh, you know, I didn't feel like waiting an hour in the line for the, the bus to go back to the where I was parked. And so I started, you know, there's a fairly long bridge from the island back to back to the, the mainland. And um, there was some scooters on there. I, I actually tried to rent one there um, and one wasn't working, another one when I, got to it, you know, said it was already reserved. Somebody had already snagged it in the app. Um, and I ended up just walking all the way across the bridge and then just grabbing a, a lift back to the parking area. But um, this week or last week um, bird, which was the first company that did these shared e-scooters filed for chapter 11 bankruptcy. Um, and I was in San Jose in March of 2018. I was at NVIDIA GTC on the day when they first dropped all these scooters in San Francisco and San Jose, you know, I walked out of the hotel to go to a dinner, and all of a sudden there's all these scooters all over the sidewalk, uh, and I'm you know, I go over and look at one and look you know, saw the label on their bird and saw the QR code, so I scanned it, and looked up and it turns out that that day they had just dropped thousands of these things all over Silicon Valley and San Francisco, um, and then you know, the whole thing blew up from there. It was like uh, a reverse rapture. Yes. <laughs> Nicole, yes. Lee, and instead I. Of, instead of them all disappearing. They all, they all disappeared.
2: disappeared. Nicole, Lee, and I were walking to go get coffee, and we were like, what the hell are these things? Did someone just leave their scooter? I'm like, wait, where? why are all these scooters, and why are they blocking the sidewalk? <laughs> like, the first thing they did was just block the sidewalk while we were walking. I'm like, oh. It went downhill from there.
0: <laughs> and um, none of these companies have actually managed to make any money off of uh, shared scooters. So... Um you know most of them have already gone out of business. Bird was the biggest. They went public a couple of years ago through a SPAC transaction. I think they were at their peak, they were worth about 2 billion dollars and now they're they're basically worth nothing.
1: Are any of the which rental scooter companies are they still around? Bird there's
0: one dying. more. Uh, there's, there's a couple others. Uh, Spin is still around. The one that was owned by Ford for a while. They Ford sold them off to another company. Who I can't remember the name of right now. But there's still Spin scooters around here. Um, and uh, I think there's 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 a couple of others.
1: I think
2: Lyft still has
0: scooters. Yeah.
1: I was just googling, and I'm seeing Lyft scooters is what I'm getting. Yeah.
2: Yeah. But it was funny because the birds like we're leaving San Francisco because everyone's so mean to us, and everyone's you know if we get it you know these tickets you know they, we're getting all these tickets. No one's writing new tickets. No yeah. one wrote a no one wrote a single ticket about. But they were like, there's these giant fines. I'm like, show us where you guys were fined. And they're like, there were giant fines. And the reality was they just weren't making money. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I mean they started off you know just buying thousands of scooters off of Alibaba. You know just consumer scooters that you know they. I they're think not they, made
2: for. I think, they of la-
0: <laughs> I think they typically lasted about six weeks before they had to be thrown out and replaced. Um, and you know, since then they've you know they've got purpose built scooters, but they're a lot more expensive, and you know, not enough people using them to you know to make it worthwhile.
2: And then electric scooters got stupid easy, cheap, so people just bought them themselves. Like if you walk on a college campus, they're just like kids riding around on their their own scooter that they like just yeah. cruise around in.
1: I found one called Unagi scooters.
2: Oh, I never heard yeah. of
1: that. It looks very. It's trying to be very hip. They're trying to be super hip. You can fold them up. You just carry them like tiny little thing. <laughs>
2: tiny, <laughs> tiny little thing. Tiny, tiny little
1: thing. It's got a little app looks and there's people that are driving. There's a whole community forging social connections. This is very dramatic.
2: Yeah, and then I think you know the rise of e you know the increase in sales of e bikes didn't help you. Yeah, These I, you rent I, yeah. for
1: your own for the month. It's like e bikes are s- for a month. so much safer. For a month
2: you just you sit
0: yeah i would I'm, i would much rather ride an e-bike than oh uh, so yeah because scooter scooter. i
1: just i know my i know my own sense of balance i'm not committing uh, like
2: my I mean, feet don't fit on them like i yeah. can't put one yeah, foot because my feet are too yeah, big yeah. yeah they're
0: not uh, long enough on, on on the other hand though um you know if i lived in an apartment i would you know like if i lived in new york yeah. somewhere and had to you know walk up uh you know, I would probably take one of the you know, get one of these fold up scooters instead. Yeah. E bikes are pretty heavy.
2: You can get the Go Cycle, which is really it's it's the only folding one that's worth like carrying up and downstairs because folding e-bikes are typically about sixty to seventy. I did a whole review about these yeah. things; they're like sixty to seventy pounds for a regular one. It's really just to like fold it to put in your vehicle to go somewhere or to store it. But you can't, you know, seventy pound e-bike, and they're all yeah. floppy and everything.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no, you don't know. But the the, the Go Cycle the, one, the is pretty cool because the Inagi,
1: right? You see, yeah. it, like it folds. It it didn't catch the weight, but it. Folds into almost like suitcasey sized yeah. kind of. Well, thing. and then
0: of course there's uh, the the Honda Moto Compacto. Oh yeah, that's even scooter, scooter.
1: Which truly just sounds cool. I'm, what do you have? I have a Moto Compacto. What yeah. is it?
2: it? Makes it sound like a lot cooler than you probably are.
1: It, sh- it does. Like you're suddenly cool when you drive. You can rent one of these by the month. Yeah. That's it. Forty bucks a month. What is this company like? This is kind of cool, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, if you if Chipping, you being servicing.
2: Right? Yeah. If you live in
0: a, live in an apartment or something, you know, and you need to carry it up. Yeah, you just take it with you and you plug it in. Oh, uh, this this company's going out of business at some point.
2: But you know what? You're going to get a free scooter when they go out of yeah, oh yeah. yeah. $40 a month to rent a scooter that they ship to your house. Yeah, that's not going to last. <laughs> you can buy them for 1500 or you can rent it for $40. Well, so I'm just saying, for four, rent, that's 480 for 40, bucks
0: a year. That's 3 years. I mean, you know, if you buy one, how long is it going to last? It's going to last 3 years? Maybe. I'm just saying that this, this company is not going to last three years for it charging only, 40 bucks.
2: 28
1: pounds. Is it 28.5 yeah. pounds? Or it looks like there's a fancier one? Because, because that's 12 miles. The 25 mile one weighs 29.6 pounds.
0: Looks like you can also buy the Anagi scooters too. You
1: can, but you could yeah, just rent one.
2: 15. Yeah, yeah, you can just rent it, it until it breaks and then you ship it back. Yeah.
1: I've never heard of this company before.
2: Neither did I. You just get your Inagi scooter. When it goes out of business, now you have a free scooter.
1: I want maybe that's what maybe I need. A, I need an Inagi scooter.
2: Uh, I still maybe. get. I would still get a, scooter, a bike. So- I still
1: get a bike first. <laughs> yeah, I would still get a bike. First.
2: Unless you like again that walk up.
0: So when when you guys need to go to the airport or something, you you, you ride the Hyperloop to get there, right?
2: All the time,
1: all the, always the
2: nonstop. Time I get inside day. of a tube, I get inside of a thing, inside of a tube, and then we wait for the tube to become a vacuum. So we wait for all the air to get sucked out. <laughs> and we sit there and we wait and we wait and we wait and we wait, and then it has to make sure all the air is sucked out from here to the airport. And I wait and I wait, and then I get there three hours later.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but from from the time you started, you know, like from, from the time the air got sucked out till you got to the airport. Oh, that was, was only like-, like 10 minutes, right?
2: Yeah, that was nothing. It yeah. was just
0: waiting for air to get sucked out.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh, now we got a pinhole. There's yeah. a pinhole somewhere. Uh, yeah. Psh-
0: yeah, well, you know, I mean, a lot of people suspected and, you know, it's almost certainly true that when when Elon Musk first published his little alpha paper about the Hyperloop idea um, back in 2013, that all he was trying to do was literally derail the uh, California high-speed rail project. Um, yep. And, you know, Shortly after, you know, a bunch of companies, a bunch of startups popped up and raised a bunch of venture capital, you know, to develop Hyperloops. And slowly, one by one, they've all fallen by the wayside. There's a lot of
1: money that went in this.
0: I covered Hyperloop. That was like on my beat. I covered Hyperloop.
2: I went to a couple of the Hyperloop events at uh, SpaceX where all the college kids were going and I would always just say, I'm like, this is never going to happen. But the things that the college kids were coming up could be apl- apl- applicable to other uh, transportation. But I was always like, yeah, this isn't going to happen. And then there would all there would always be like some journalists like, no, no, this is going to happen. I'm like, I really want you to sit down and think about it.
0: <laughs> well. I, I used in in the talks that I do at conferences uh, you know on mobility and other stuff one of the slides you know one of the things I always talked about was the the need for multimodal mobility ecosystems you know having buses, trains, uh, micromobility robo-taxis, scooters, you know, b- a bunch of different things um, and you know I, I always had a picture of a hyperloop on there. You know one of the renderings and i said and who knows maybe someday you might even have one of these but probably not
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and like know. It, it, it looks like it, it ain't gonna happen it just um,
2: didn't make any sense
0: Yeah, you know, this this week hyperloop one shut down laying off all its staff um and uh this this company has gone through a few different transitions over the years um, different names. At one point, it was bought by Richard Branson um, yeah. and uh, it was renamed Virgin Hyperloop. Um, but um, uh, when, when uh, I think it was like in 2016 or 17, I was at the uh, uh, SAE World Congress in Detroit and I talked with a guy who was one of the co-founders of this company when it was still called Hyperloop Technologies uh, the original name of the company, his name was Brogan Bambrogan, which really? um,
2: oh god, I remember him. <laughs> yeah,
0: I, I talked to him.
2: Oh, <laughs> uh, that's a, yeah. I was like, is he, that his real name? I was concerned that maybe we were getting scammed.
0: <laughs> yeah, but well, he he eventually okay, I think got I pushed a out of, of him,
1: and he kind of looks like a supervillain.
0: Yeah, he, he eventually got pushed out of the company after uh, claims of harassment and and other issues. So.
2: Ah, hyperloop. Yeah, Never so. forget. I went to, but, I went to a hyperloop hand, event where they had one that just went down a
0: rail, like a train. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I was like, <laughs> okay. Uh, there's video the, of it.
0: On the I other was, hand, there, there's an LA Times story today that uh, apparently the, the, um, uh, California high speed rail program is actually picking up steam and, and move moving forward. So. Hopefully that will eventually happen, and there's there's actually another there's a high speed rail program that's actually running in Florida now, um, between Miami and uh, Fort Lauderdale or somewhere.
2: Everyone's super excited about the Las Vegas to L.A. um, high speed rail. Yeah, yeah, everyone's like, yeah. Um, the hyper, the high speed rail, when I worked at Kinko's, I saw all the plans before they were public because they would bring them to the Kinko's I worked at. And I was like, Hey, this is going through my hometown. It just blasts through my hometown. If it ever happens, it just blasts through Tehachapi. No one to Hachapi gets the right, <laughs> the rail. You just, you just get to watch no, it fly no by. There.
0: It's just an express yeah. train between LA and Vegas.
2: Yeah. There's, I think it maybe stops in like probably Bakersfield and maybe Lancaster, but definitely not Tehachapi. <laughs>
0: uh, all right. Um. So we mentioned CarPlay earlier um, last year in 2022 at uh, um, the Worldwide Developers Conference that Apple has, they announced their next generation CarPlay system, which is supposed to be able to um, project not just onto one center screen, but onto a whole bunch of, you know, all the screens in your car, including your instrument cluster. And I was always kind of dubious of that idea because the other thing they said was, and it's, you know, it's still gonna run off your device um you know so why you would want to have the instrument cluster being projected from your phone is unclear to me you know, exactly yeah you, like, you <laughs> still have you know you, you still have to have you know a, a a built-in system you know for you know if your phone's dead or not working your battery dies you Just lose your connection. Break it you still have yeah. to have the instrument cluster display there anyway and there's got to be a core a built-in embedded system that works I and mean, that's required by by federal regulations um and you know they they put up a slide showing a whole bunch of automaker logos saying all oh, these automakers are are going to use next gen carplay and among those i think was a gm logo if i'm not mistaken um awkward and, Anyway, nobody nobody ever made any announcements uh, until last week. Uh, GM or uh, sorry, uh, Apple put out a couple of Photoshop renderings uh, and s- announced that uh, Aston Martin and, and Porsche were going to debut the next gen CarPlay uh, next year. Um, I think in the uh, um, in the Porsche, it's going to be in the new Macan EV. Which uh, it just happens to be running Android Automotive as <laughs> its base. Yeah, that's properties. another fun. So next gen CarPlay running on top of Android Automotive will be fun. Mm.
3: Uh,
0: but the, the the rendering that they showed here for uh, for the Aston Martin is kind of funny. If you look at the center screen, it's you know it's clearly a Photoshop because it's it's not even angled correctly. They didn't it's skew the right, it correctly. It's not lined
1: up with <laughs> <This> the actual.
0: <laughs> yeah. Just
2: gonna shove it on there.
1: Stick that on there, like a little. Hey,
2: should we have someone there. who knows how to do Photoshop now? Now, just, 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 just do it. No, we gotta. Oh my god! Oh my god! That's the day? That's that? That's what happened? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh no! I didn't realize that was today.
0: Whoops! Uh, all right. So maybe, maybe next gen CarPlay coming to Aston Martin and Porsche next year, or or not? Uh, um, uh, and then last. <laughs>
2: last one we're very excited about the next gen car player like i
0: don't know whatever <laughs> last one is um the uh cadillac celestic um the first one has been spotted out on public roads a, a prototype
1: really no
0: yeah this this was spotted on woodward avenue in detroit a couple of days ago um, this is a wrap though
1: gonna say, yeah yeah probably almost eyes. certainly
0: yeah yeah this is just this this thing is like bright neon green. Oh God! You know? God it's awesome. So I'm, I'm sure you know so be, you know because these things are all custom built, and you know everybody can order whatever essentially whatever they want on there. There may well be somebody that some some rich person that orders one is. I hope somebody does order one in this color.
2: Yeah, I want okay. someone to order someone in this color. Yeah, I 200, demand a hundred fifty thousand dollar car. Oh God! I demand dayglow neon green yeah and i want to say radical like splashed in pink along the side i had a pair of skis like that from the from the from the uh early late 80s i had skis that said radical on the back
1: (laughs) you were so cool robbie
2: they were they had all these different colors they were the yeah
0: yeah so this was spotted near uh past diners hobbies uh on woodward in detroit in uh, Birmingham, it, Pastiner's is one of the more popular cars and coffee locations on Saturday mornings uh, around Detroit. And Steve Pastiner, who uh, who runs the place, um, spotted this one and posted some photos on uh, Instagram um, a few days ago. And uh, so this this is the first time anybody's actually seen one on the road. Yeah, these are pretty
1: live. It is it's bright and it's alive.
2: Yeah green green machine it's very green it is it's the so green machine green. That is but not... it's a it's a you know what it's an electric wagon that's all i care about
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is. i like yeah more electric wagons please uh, all right um that's it for the news items uh except for sae j3400 Um, this is uh you know what J- j3400 is don't you robbie i do J-3400 is
2: the fancy uh, standard name for N-A-C-S, the North American Charging Standard, which is just a fancy name for Tesla's charging port.
0: Yep. Um, and, you know, back in June, SAE announced that they were going to develop a, uh, a new standard uh, based on the, the Tesla-designed connector. Um, and, you know, because you know, Tesla, you know, did a, a bunch of stuff, you know, for their implementation of it. But, you know, they wanted to incorporate some other things like uh, official support for bi-directional charging and various, excuse me, various other things. Um, and they said that they would have it done by the end of the year. And sure enough, last year they published it, um, or last year, last week they published it. <laughs> um, and uh, I had a chance to chat with uh, Dr. Rodney McGee from University of Delaware. Um, uh, Rodney uh, was the chair of the task force that developed the standard. Um, and, uh, we'll have that recording on here afterwards. It, it gets, gets pretty geeky at some points. Uh, you know, he's talking about a lot, how a lot of the stuff works, but there's some really interesting stuff in there about what the benefits of this are over the existing, um, J1772 standard, which is the, 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 the SA standard we've had, you know, in all non-Tesla vehicles for the last 12, 13 years. CCS and, the, and yeah. CCS um, basically you know aside from the fact that you've got the smaller easier to use Tesla connector there's actually a bunch of technical benefits to this as well um, because the the existing standards only support up to 240 volts but it turns out that um, you know if you take you know the, the the power that comes through the power lines running around your neighborhood and everything, Those are 480 volt, three phase. And if you take a single phase of that, it's actually 277 volts, not 240 volts. And so to get it down to 240, you actually have to use a transformer to get it down to 240 volts, um, which adds extra cost. And so-
2: Heat and you're losing power. Blah, yeah, blah, so, blah.
0: so the so the new standard a lot of nerdy things. Yeah, the new standard <laughs> will will actually support up to 277 volts, so you'll be able to have um, uh, chargers that are less costly because they they require less hardware. And this also applies to DC chargers, AC and DC chargers. So you can lower the cost of the infrastructure. Um, you have higher power, uh, higher charging power. So. It, now you know because of the two seventy-seven volts you, you know, versus two forty, you can have twenty-five percent faster charging, and um, it's uh, it's going to be more efficient, like two to four percent more efficient. So fewer losses because you don't have those transformers. Um, so should it should be better all around, and hopefully you know the software side of all this stuff works, and hopefully Electrify America can get their act together yeah
2: it's interesting because if you go to tesla's site because when they first said this back in june like tesla had all the specs and everything on their site you could link to and then once this came out once the sae um the j3400 uh stuff came out tesla now just links to that they're like oh we don't we're not holding anymore now it's test and now it's sae so now it's i know there's you know if you're concerned about like tesla's gonna have a monopoly i'm like nope nope belongs to everyone now
0: you yeah, the only thing one, Tesla has you a can build one on. at your house now. Yeah, the only thing <laughs> Tesla has a monopoly on is is their superchargers, which is which work. <laughs> well, they, they work. <laughs> which they, work? They work with Teslas. Well, they, they again.
2: When I took that IX up there and I just plugged it in, I was just like, it just worked. That's it. Yep. That's all I had to do. All I had to do is add. The, the, but the hardest thing I had to do was add a credit card to my Tesla account. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I just plugged it in. It's all boom. I'm like. Oof. <sighs> it was just sort of disheartening because you kind of want like some sort of like problem to happen, <laughs> and there wasn't because you know we we know that the you know the you have to do the software handshake between the car and the charger, and there's all these things that you know like all oh, these are the reasons why things don't work. And then I just go to the Tesla thing with a BMW and I just plug it in, totally and it works. It works. Yeah. <sighs>
0: well, um, I will we'll see what happens when they have thousands of EVs, though. Yeah. Um. The, in in the in the conversation I had with Rodney um, he references some he, some diagrams that are in a slide deck which I will attach to the post on the on the site on wheelbearings.media, media uh, and I'll put a link to it in the uh, uh, in the show notes so if you want to follow along with what he's saying um, you can you can download those or um, those slides and see what he's talking about uh, but it's 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 a it's an interesting conversation. So, hopefully, uh, you'll enjoy that. Um, And uh, I think that's all we've got for for this week. Um, Anything else uh, you guys have? I got nothing. Okay. Nothing. All right. Nothing, honey. Well, uh, happy holidays, everybody. Um, You know, happy new year. You know, Christmas and Hanukkah are behind us. And I think uh, Festivus. And hopefully, you got a chance to air all your grievances. Air all your grievances. Um so uh have a happy Beats of day. strength. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll talk to you next time. Bye. 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 Nice to meet you. Hi, nice to meet you as well, Dr. McGee. Oh yeah, please. Rodney, it's fine. All right. Thanks, Rodney. And so I was hoping to uh have a little chat with you to talk about J thirty four hundred, uh which uh, was just published. Um yeah. and learn a little bit more um, you know, especially for, for the podcast listeners about what this actually means, uh, in terms of um, implementing the the NACS uh connector standard uh, for future EVs, not non Tesla EVs,
4: yeah. So, um, for non for Tesla EVs, well, there's a lot to talk about. Um, now we could probably the best thing we could focus on is you know, automakers who are gonna be making native next vehicles at some point you know next year the year after whatever everyone has a sort of a different timeline some haven't given specific dates but um what is uh we could probably either start with ac or dc what kind of what kind of in particular
0: well yeah i guess um maybe maybe first you know the what what has uh, has anything cha- in terms of the standard has anything changed uh, that's notable from what Tesla has deployed today and you know what they initially released?
4: Well, the Tesla specification was kind of very narrow and, and not necessarily very um, uh, all encompassing in terms of you know the aspects it covers. So. You know, things like AC charging voltages were not specified in 23666, which is what Tesla called that specification. Um, And so that was sort of one thing that the standard had to decide. And, uh, I, you know, I don't know if you did you read my blog post? I did uh, not blog, but my interview I did with Electrotech or whatever they're called.
0: Uh yeah, I I did see that one In fact I've got it uh, open here in another browser tab right now.
4: So uh, one of the just as background, one of the things that when Tesla first created um actually I have a nice chart on this, let me show you real quick. Um Okay. This I think is a good example. Okay so your screen blah 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 okay so typically if you have a site in the u.s uh let's say it's it's a parking lot it has a few dc chargers and some ac chargers it's a ccs based (laughs) system uh it's a commercial site this is kind of what you're looking at um there was a lot of talk about you know 480 277 in the article. One of the reasons that was discussed is a lot of people may not know, but most DC charging stations, with some exceptions, being like some 20 30 kilowatt DC stations, um, pretty much anything considered a fast chargers, running at 480 uh, 277. So what it means if you have level two and um, DC in the same site is they can't show the same power infrastructure. Mm-hmm. So they, now just so you know, this utility buys this. So you pay electric rates. Utility pays and they furnish this transformer for you. Maybe this is up on a pole. Maybe this is a, this is a ground-mounted one right here. Uh, depending on the amount of power you're asking for, and so let's just imagine you go to utility and you want to put in 10 level twos. Just, you know, you can just you know, just do the math on that. Right. So let's say they're like 10 kilowatts each. You know, you do you you install 10 of those. Um, you know, you, you're talking well it's just right right there. Let's say 100 KVA. There's some kilowatts where if you request it, you're just going to get 48277 from the utility if you put in enough charging. And that's just because they only stock transformers a certain size. Whether that's 300 or 1,000 kilowatt, whatever that threshold is, at some point you're going to get 480. You won't even have the choice of 208. So what that means is you'll have to have intermediate customer and transformer. Guess who pays for this? You do. Guess who pays for this? You do. So all of this costs... And by the way, you lose 2 to 8% going through here. So basically today you have what a lot of people get, which is 208. You get 240 at home. You can get 240 at commercial locations, but honestly, 95% of the time, it's 208 currently today. And you have transformers here. So when we did Tesla, one of the things that a lot of people don't know is that um, this is a a Generation 2 wall box. So Generation 2 wall box... Uh, as you UL listed and can operate up to 80 amps, but it also goes to 277 volts. Oh. So you got your 208 covered, your 240 covered, uh, your 277. And what that means is, from the very earliest days of NAX, uh, Tesla could install uh, AC stations off the same supply as a DC station. So it looks like this. Your three phases go out to your NAX, DC, VSC, And your AC chargers just pull off a single phase. So now you've you've eliminated a whole, um, uh, and just the way the math works, these are your four most common. Why does this stuff matter? Okay. Why? Because we're talking about mass electrification, right? We've already put, we've, upper middle class people don't have problems charging. Where do they charge for most of their driving? They charge at home in their garage. They're, they're they're solved. We we know how to install charging infrastructure there. 240, 60 amps, forty eight amps, continuous charging, whatever you're good to go for all anything you could need for your home charging, right? But what about the sixty percent? It's like something like you know half the U.S. economy is involved with transportation of goods, right? So how do we electrify the rest of the system? You know, city dwellers, medium and heavy duty, all the Amazon trucks, everything. Well, the, the way to do that is to support the th- all of these voltages here with next can be supported for ac charging so you can 277 volt charge right here so you can pull a phase here and you could have three different vehicles charging you know C see that neutral a to neutral b to neutral they all get 277 your dc charger runs on the 480 you get your 208 okay you can still charge off 208 single phase you get your um your 240, this is the only kind of commercial 240 you get. This is kind of a legacy installation, so you get 240 here. And this is what we have at our homes. This is what everyone's used to. So people had this understanding of, well, basically, for, for the most part, these top two are the only ones you can do with CCS. Uh, you could do this one too, but again, this is for legacy installation. So we were just talking about these top two here. Nax essentially opens the door to this bottom one for AC charging and the reason why that's important is the lighting in this room is 277 volts um the hvac in this apart in this building this commercial building is 480 volts three phase and so a lot of people don't realize that but there's a humming transformer room right over there and that little transformer here is sized for the building okay Mm -hmm. so it is a building they say how many outlets are we going to need in there you know do we need some 208 for the kitchen for the little electric cooktop and for an apartment building and that's what they size it out all the extra capacity is back here at the utility transformer and it's sitting at the side voltage so a lot of people don't even realize they think oh my building only has 208 yes that's because that's what you get for your domestic sockets for your you know little plugs Well, what's actually going back here on the heavy side? Certainly, all the anywhere you'd put a DC station, you got this. So the big difference was the Tesla vehicles supported two seventy seven, and they they have. We it was a kind of a relatively big decision point was was which automakers were going to line up behind support keeping that retaining that Tesla themselves started to walk away from that because they thought they were going to lose the connector work. They thought they were going to have to become a subset of what J1772 was. That's why products like the AC Magic Dock and the DC Magic Dock, those were in development like over a year ago, right? Because mm. they're, they're out. So that's time period those products were started year or two ago. They were looking at the Nevy rules. We're going to be Forced to install that kind of infrastructure, maybe in eventually European style, we're going to be required to have CCS inlets. But that's probably not going to be for a while. But they were looking at that on the horizon and planning. And so they internally de-emphasized that, not because it wasn't good engineering, right? But the reality. But to get of, compatibility with the rest of the CCS vehicles, right? Yeah. Even though they were a minority of market share. Right. That was the contradiction of Nevi, right? Is you have a company with 66 70 percent EV market share, right? And the only standard was used by the majority of the other OEMs, but a majority of North American market share. Right. Okay. And so that that was war reason why once, you know, Ford flipped the next sort of everyone did, because they're joining the majority really of the infrastructure. Not with the one exception of um Level two AC chargers. There's more level two A- AC chargers than there are uh, destination chargers. But in terms of DC fast chargers, there's more more Tesla than anything else. Um, just by the numbers. So,
0: so I so. guess what what this would mean for consumers is that they will uh, potentially have the ability, assuming that automakers um, uh, um, integrate. 277 volt capability into their vehicles when they go to the next connector that they should be able to get faster ac charging is is one benefit
4: faster cheaper i mean it will be a little bit faster i mean yeah i mean there there are certain advantages right so um you know you're getting 25 percent power for the same ampacity right um you're getting less you're getting an efficiency improvement just because of the loss of the wires um the biggest, the efficiency one, I wouldn't undercount. You know, two to four percent forever is a lot of efficiency. A lot, of, you that know, that's up to a lot of a lot of watts. The Department of Energy like loses their shit. You know, to get a one percent efficiency increase, that's like a huge win if they can increase something by a percent, right? Um, that'll have an effect if you know if we electrify vehicles. Imagine increasing the efficiency of charging by two to four percent, yeah, I mean that in and of itself pays for the next switchover, and you can you can see um that that's the that's the thing the two seventy seven was a bit it's only a north American voltage mm-hmm. it doesn't exist anywhere else in the world, so you know you're there was a Japanese automaker, and there was a German automaker who weren't in favor of keeping 277. The rest of um, you know, you had support from big companies like ChargePoint, you had support from Ford and GM, and you know, Honda, and a bunch of other companies who I think, especially those who have energy units, they instead of just the way we, de- the way we designed standards, you know, 10, 12 years ago. It was okay to save a dollar on the car if it costs a thousand dollars more off the car. Right? Because whose money is it? Oh, I don't care if it costs a thousand dollars or two thousand or three thousand dollars more out there. If I say dollars here, that's better. But they don't look at it that way. You have GM energy in it, you have Ford Pro business, you have you know, Honda is launching their initiatives. That they can't look at it like that anymore. This is the reason why Ford had 277, or sorry, this is the reason why Tesla had 277 to begin with, is because they were designing for both sides. So when you design for both sides, you get a different solution. And it was appearing, you know, prior to the next switchover that we were going to, you know, Tesla's would still have 277 support because these stations exist. That was another sort of reason, right? Is this the typical next station? No, but they're, they're, are numbers like i don't know i don't actually know the specifics but there are thousands of them out there right if you buy an axe inlet vehicle and you plug into a destination charger it should work right so partially support for 277 would say yes tesla's de-emphasized it but these stations are out there so if you're going to build an Ax car your vehicle could see that voltage you should design for it right and then that's sort of the push to do it, but then when you look at all the advantages, well, then it's just paying dividends after you you know you swallow that. And is it a big deal? Not really. Um, the IEC standards on creepage and clearance when you're designing the circuit boards and X and Y caps. Um, the big your big Siemens, you know, companies like Siemens and you know, uh, you know um, Eaton and those kind of companies that design stuff for global market they already like uh like with these power supplies that go inside these lights and things they already design for 277 because for for a lot of industrial cuz they don't want to design different products for north america so generally anything less than 300 volts gets categorized in the requirements very similarly anything between 240 and 300 so it's kind of like in the standards it'll be like If it's higher than 200 to less than 300, design it like this. And so what that means is a lot of the spacings and a lot of the components um, are already 277 ready. They just need to go through and make sure. Because what typically happens is the car is just going to check the voltage, say it's too high, and maybe say, oh, I'm not compatible. But if they want to build a next version of the onboard charger, then they need to basically, you know, and have a, a more extended range that they test for, and an extended range that the software accepts. But not all OEMs will even need to make significant hardware changes. Because keep in mind, this is the other big thing. Naxx uses AC and DC pins on the same, they use AC and DC on the same pins. What's the new DC charging voltage is up to? 1,000 volts. So you already designed these pins for 1,000 volts DC. So... Yes, you have to maybe make sure onboard charger is ready to take 277. But all the wiring, the sockets, the you know the relays, all the safety things, all of that has to be rated for a thousand volts DC. So when they looked at the big picture, they were like, "Oh, 277s." You know, ninety-five percent of the OEMs looked at it and said, "Wow, we're going to get all these advantages for North America. It's not really going to cost us anything. It could half the cost of a." you know, a uh, AC charger. Of course we should do this. But that took a lot of discussions in the meetings to kind of get to that, to get to that point. Um, I would say earlier in the process, it was more, uh, it was more 50, 50. And by the time the votes came about, it was more 90, 10 uh, in terms of the, the split on supporting it. So that's the other big difference. <clears throat> so you now, got
0: improved efficiency, lower infrastructure cost. Um and potentially higher charging power if everything's set up on the vehicle side. So that was like a no brainer.
4: It is kinda of, and then that's the reason why most people kind of like fell in line for that. Now you might have might have caught this or might have not, but it's sort of mentioned in the um it's sort of mentioned in the article. Um oh, shift, okay. So you saw this picture in the article, I'm assuming. Yes. Okay, so 277 is important for another reason. This picture. You have 277. 277 is a single phase of a three-phase 480 system. Why? Well, so now what you can do is have infrastructure like this that may or may not be connected to 3 phase. So on this connector, for example, it's only gonna pick up two of the wires, right? So Nexus only has two powers. So you're gonna pick up line and neutral. All right, going back to this. So we're picking up line and neutral. But what is, if, there, if it's a heavy duty vehicle and it has all five of these pins, now it can get up to 52 kilowatts. Now the reason why that's important is there are school bus projects right now doing AC charging they're maxing out J1772 at 19 kilowatts. They, they they hit that. They're right up on that limit. And those tiny little 3.2 millimeter pins on J1772, while they can do 80 amps, and there are listed 80 amp products out there, it's touchy. 80 amps is right at the absolute maximum limit for those 3.2 millimeter pins. So they don't last very long. So a lot of these school bus projects, they're getting less than a year out of their cables just hmm. because it's thermally... It's thermally stressing for the cables. They're relatively large battery packs on these school buses. They need to charge. So they don't necessarily need DC charging. They just need higher than 20, 30, 40, any, anywhere in those sort of numbers they get above that, they're good. So the way the math sort of works is if it's three-phase, you now have interoperability. So the way it works in Europe is not all cars can three-phase charge. But if the phases are there, then the, then it can take advantage of them. So what that means is is that before this change, if you wanted to think about using the three-phase connector for a medium and heavy-duty application, you know, these kind of vehicles that are coming, you're you're F 650s, your sort of big, big trucks, right? Um, You had to choose, do I want J1772 or something else because of the fixed cords? But now if the infrastructure is just a socket outlet like she used everywhere else in the world, then you don't have to choose AC connectors anymore. You can just have infrastructure that allows the vehicle to support what it can. Um, and if it's NAX compliant, it, it can charge on any of the voltages. Fred, that could possibly so you
0: could drive. plug into a three phase outlet and plug that plug a net <coughs> excuse me plug a connector into the the vehicle and it'll all work. Yeah,
4: twenty. Yeah, so the idea is think of a school bus where a school bus lot where they have a mixed fleet. They have a lot of trucks and buses, but a few car vehicles. They can use the same infrastructure to charge both kinds of vehicles. And again, it's really electrification is about being able to take the power that comes from the utility, get it into a panel, and get it out to a charger as cheap as possible. As the more stuff you add in here, the more electrification costs. Right. And if you have to go to if you have to go to DC charging just to get, you know, thirty kilowatts um or something like that, which is what you have to do without three phase, that's a big setback for medium heavy duty. That means you're talking about a station that costs a few thousand dollars to a station that costs more than ten thousand dollars. So it's just a complete and they don't necessarily need that. They just need something that can um can charge a little bit better it's basically it's the same reason you use ac just a use case scaled up for a bigger pack right so if if you if in the passenger car world we know that we can cover a lot of ac use cases with that you know seven to sort of 20 kilowatt charging we know we can pretty much do everything we need Mm -hmm. but that's for our energy usage based on the kind of loads we do well those trucks and buses they have three or four times bigger battery packs you just scale up and three phase does that so it's a it's Trucks and buses are about 10 years behind everything else. Like, we think we've seen a lot of like projects with, you know, delivery companies and doing stuff. We haven't really scratched the surface of electrifying transportation yet. So, I'll let these solutions are setting us up for um, how do we have mass electrification across the duty, uh, across the usage duty from passenger cars all the way through heavy. So, this solution is really AC charging finished up basically for the 21st century because this is basically taking the ac that we have on the grid today and how do we get that into cars just keep in mind we have a transformer shortage Mm -hmm. there are buildings being held up right now that can't go live because they're backordered waiting for these guys right and these if you keep the nevi rules the way they're listed now and requiring level two forever uh kind of rules uh, then you basically say then you have to take this path for all AC charging. Um, DC charging, you know, I think, um, well, let me ask you if you have any That's kind of the, that's the sum of the AC. It's all of these pieces together. You have to take the straight charging component with the 277, with the three phase, and you have this whole buffet of from, you know, people charging along you know, a street in Philadelphia, street parking, all the way through, how do we, like, electrify delivery trucks, you know, at a, at, a like, a large facility where the whole parking lot has chargers. And you want them like this, not with cords hanging around that and drivers are driving over, crushing. You go out to actual lots, they put the school buses right next to each other, really close. Um, the driver's taking the infrastructure away, so they can plow it, they can clean it, they can work with it. Just sets everything up for low maintenance, maintainable infrastructure to electrify. Right, uh, and as really we said, good. for
0: especially for that street charging, what you don't want is curbside chargers that have cords hanging off. Ideally, a solution like this, where you know the the driver keeps the cord in their car when they get to a a location, they just plug in, and all all the chart all the the pedestals or the lampposts or whatever it might be have the yeah. same connector on there. Um, and, then, um, and then, you know, they've got their cord has the right connector for that vehicle.
4: That's right. And then you never have to do this. You know, you never have to worry about, you know, that again. And it's not some kooky thing the U.S. is coming up with. This is what China, India, Europe, this is what they all use. So, of course, of course this is like the right solution. It's what the rest of the world. It was only... The United States. Here, here's kind of a point to make. <laughs> the United States was the only country in the world that had to do anything this effing stupid, daisy charge. Every other country could charge with their three phase voltage. From the Japanese 200 volt systems, through your Chinese 220 volt systems, that's 380, 220, even the European 400, 230. Like everyone could take whatever you put into a DC charger, you could put into a car. We were the only country that couldn't do that. We were at a disadvantage. Yeah. We were at a disadvantage with electrification. We we had a more complicated infrastructure than anyone else for AC charging. And a lot of people never got the feedback, right? Because when you go to electrical engineer, you say, design me a parking lot with 25 level twos. Well, what's level two need? oh, he needs, it goes 208 to 240. The guy just draws the plan out because that's what it requires. He doesn't go back and say, hey, can't these things do 277? That would save us a lot of money. That's not how the loop works. Yeah, Requirements flow down, you know? So a lot of people never got to hear, you know, you know electric, uh, electrical engineer doesn't come back and say, hey, you know, you should tell these SAE guys that if they made this change, it would save us like half the money for this project. No, they're not going to say that. They just design it for what it's spec to, and if the specs are level two, this is what you're going to end up with. Um, and that's that's another thing to mention. Unanimous among the like hundred and um, among like the hundred and fifty people in the group that we completely abandoned the level terminology. No. Um, okay. Level one, level two, <clears throat> level three never was a thing anyway. But the industry just used it because uh, I don't know why. But uh, it was just kind of a colloquial term people used. Technically like CCS, DC fast charging was actually DC level 2 but nobody called it that. That's actually what the standard called it. So in terms of a standard stuff, that level terminology failed. You could have a level 2 charger that was just 240 20 amps Mm -hmm. or 240 15 amps. You know, it was in theory you could have a level 1 that was higher than a level 2. If you put in a level one at 40 amps and you put it at a level two at 15 you could have a level one that was higher that it 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 was just dumb uh the terminology it didn't communicate anything to drivers like ev drivers who have had an ev for more than a year they're like kilowatts i want to know how many kilowatts i can charge at because i know how big of a battery i have so kilowatts is the answer so it was unanimous for people to say, let's talk about charging kilowatts. And then the only thing complicated for DC, of course, was if it's a thousand volt charger and you're a 500 volt car, you're going to charge it half the speed of that DC charger can do, right? Because your right. voltage is just half. So if it says it's a 500 kilowatt DC charger, then you're charging at 250 at most because your battery packs lower voltage. But other than that, um, in terms of terminology the dc charging uh it's kind of what exactly what you expect i mean the j3400 is 1000 volts is sort of the recommended sort of normal versus like typical max charging state dc charging stations today are obviously they're 500 volts the 1000 volt tesla stations are just now being deployed
0: yeah i think uh, that's their version 4 supercharger right. so 1000 volts yeah
4: And so with third-party next DC chargers, I think they're all going to be 1,000 volts just because they're going to start there. Because why would you come? I mean, I'm sure there'll be some products, but I think a lot of your first next certified DC VSCs are going to be 1,000 volts because that's what we're installing with CCS right now, new stuff, a lot of it is 1,000 volts. So Ledge America, that kind of stuff. So... That's what you're gonna see, people taking their thousand volt CCS stations and then putting the thousand volt NAX connector on there. Which is slightly different. I mean, if you look at it than the NAX connector. They they mate uh, together, of course, but the um the J thirty four hundred connector is technically like what's on the version four superchargers, and that does physically it does look different. It has different baffling on the inside to handle the higher voltages and things like that. I remember
0: Uh, back uh, in the way back when J seventeen seventy two, like two thousand eight nine, when that that standard was being developed, one of the things that was mentioned at the time was that the connector was designed for like ten thousand insertion cycles. Um, Is that still the case with three thousand four hundred, or
4: is that that's a UL requirement? Okay, so just get your UL certification. They're going to test you ten thousand, whether it holds up in the real world or not. That's yeah and somebody puts dirt in there but the the ul standard requires ten thousand okay. so it might have been something that you know back then they had to put in the standard or had to put in a say, sa standard but that's part of the ul process honestly okay at point and the Iec requires uh which just you know <clears throat> international standards require five thousand for ac and ten thousand for dc and because that's is a is a AC plus DC guy. Then ten thousand seemed reasonable to settle at, since that was the North American requirement anyway. Okay. Uh, the real. Oh, go ahead. So, there is one thing I wanted wanted to mention, and basically, I think it's an important for sort of many policy people and kind of what they're thinking about is. Right now, again, I, I've mentioned this a few times, but if the Nebi rules continue to call out you know level two ac then we don't get to take advantage of any of that kind of stuff i, I showed you about mm-hmm. and so i mentioned in that electrotech article that um one compromise being discussed is basically saying okay well you have to have you know j-1772 for dc fast chargers to get nevi funding but maybe we open things up on the ac side because ac charging where we're lacking is in that sort of apartment and infra- it's it's really for new EV drivers. It's really for people who don't. I don't know about you, but I know people firsthand. Like I, I know a, a colleague of mine who lives in Philly. Street parks. She got an, an EV, mm-hmm. couldn't find places to park. She got rid of it. Yeah, because she street parks. And so, those are the drivers that we're really missing out on today. Those who those who need the they need they need. The utility just to be able to pull the 277 down. They need the street charging. They they don't need that permanently installed J1772 cord because that's going to mean that installation is more expensive to put in, more expensive to maintain, more, and that means it's going to cost more money. Which means it's not going to go in in lower income areas. This is like all of these cascading effects that you. What they are worried about is, is you know leaving EVs behind. But if you think about it, people who have J772 cars today, they know where they charge their cars. The only time they get in trouble is their long trips, right? And that's where the DC part comes in. So having a long period of transition times on that. But when they come home, they're going to come home if they're an existing EV driver, they have figured out their AC charging equation like 95% of other Americans. They have their place where the AC char- charge. Um, and so I think that's they're two different use cases. So having the same kind of rules for AC and DC apply, and there's going to have to be some, there's going to have to be some lobbying to flip that, you know, one staying, one of the th- things, you know, the optics everyone's really worried about is no one wants to, uh, cross streams politically, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're too friendly with it, if you're t- seeming like you're being unfairly friendly to the NAC standard, uh, are you going to get you know pushback for being like a Tesla sycophant, right? Uh, and uh, that is unfortunately kind of a political reality, right? And so even though the technicals are pretty clear, but that's not something those... You know, keeping two seventy seven, um, the street charging options, all of that stuff, Tesla supported, but it wasn't their it wasn't their idea. It was a collective of all the other OEMs who were coming into that system. Um, and so they should. It, it shouldn't be looked at, uh, certainly on the AC side, as you know, doing Tesla's bidding, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you know, pretty much almost all of the industry is. Behind
0: this, because there's definite technical and cost benefits to it, and and given given the affordability challenges around and the costs around the shift to electrification, if Absolutely. if we can if we can take cost out of both the infrastructure side and and the vehicle side, that's regardless of who originally developed it, doesn't matter who developed it, it's a, it's going to be a benefit to everyone.
4: Right, and that's the thing that I'm you struggling to get across the government is a little bit leaning towards this no EV left behind thing. And I think we can do that with DC, but I think it's more about the politics of it. And actually just not wanting to feel like it's such a big shift, right? It's such a big shift than where we were a year ago when the Nevi rule finally came out. It's such a big shift that it's hard for a lot of people. But as I've pointed out to the regulators, we have... I don't think I'm being hyperbolic here. A once in a generation opportunity to make a change here because of the connector mm-hmm. switch. Right. If we didn't have the connector switch, none of this would be on the table. None of it. Mm-hmm. So none of it the table. I and rely- we're
0: still so early on. I mean, you know, barely more than one percent of the vehicle fleet is electric today. Yeah. Yeah. You know, even even if some vehicles are "quote unquote" left behind it's going to be a tiny percentage of the total vehicle fleet, you know, in a few years.
4: Right. And that's why I hope that like, you know, independent voices, like, you know, you guys that are tied in with there, there's the, so the voices kind of against it, right. Are people who don't really care about electrification. Right. Yeah. Okay. You know, people, OEMs are openly hostile, hostile to EVs, Toyota, um, you know, uh, people who uh, who have existing products that maybe aren't these products that want to move it this year, but does that really mean with the kind of um, acquisition mm-hmm. guidelines changes, like the requirements go in years before the stuff goes in the ground? So right. you're gonna be able to clear out this inventory. Nobody just wants their you know, level two EVSE with the permanently attached cord J1772 to look like a dinosaur. But that's where we are. Yeah. It, it It is, as of today, it is officially yesterday's cord. And the quicker we move on from that, while having a support path, like I said, for the DC charging and, and not like letting people who invest in EVs getting left out, they're going to have a, They have their charger at home. They're going to have their place to charge along the interstate and all that kind of stuff. Important, Not not no disagreement there. But for these people who just don't have EVs now, we need to have regulations that allow it to be lower cost because that's one of my biggest criticisms of a lot of this green tech is it's not as accessible to uh, people across uh, different income classes. It's just not. Mm And a lot of it is related to these kind of decisions. When we started electrification, like you mentioned, 2008 area, we were like, how do we sell, you know, relatively expensive cars to upper middle class buyers? Yeah. Right. But if we're going to have electrification, we have to have, we have to have, we have to bring Everyone has to be able to share in that. And it has to be equitable to be accessible and that's what we're really trying to set up with a lot of these standards is really to kind of push them up. Okay. And luckily we have the support from the automakers who, because they're working both sides now, a lot of them could see the light in it. It just happened to be that what the companies wanted and what was good for electrification were aligned. That wasn't the case 10 years ago. Um, I don't want to be too much of an AC versus DC guy. DC has its place, it's great for in route charging but in terms of having the most number of vehicles charging for the cheapest amount of money and connected to be able to opportunistically charge, there's nothing like AC. Yeah, F are plugged in, ready to receive a charging schedule based on the driver's needs, that gives them the best value charge and maybe opportunities for things like VUG in the future, AC can only really offer that because of the cost. Uh, fundamentally... <coughs> DC is like a filling station. You get in, you fill up, you leave. For people who say DC chargers are just going to get cheaper and cheaper, no, nope. it's true. They will get cheaper, but the onboard charger will get cheaper also. They're the same stuff. Yeah. So whatever's going on and, on the DC side,
0: and the electricity is not necessarily going to get any cheaper though. No. Yeah.
4: Which is why you got to be able to charge opportunistically. Yeah. Which is why you got to have low infrastructure costs. So then people want their electric cars to do stuff. So they want to go camping and they want to have things like vehicle to load. All of that keeps the bidirectional onboard charger on the car. So more and more people are adding AC bidirectionality, whether it's on grid or off grid or whatever that is. That's all coming into the mix because And that's supported in thirty four hundred, right? And that's supported in thirty four hundred, right. So we have multiple multiple ways to do that, and that's on that's on AC. So yeah, there'll be use cases for DC, b to X kind of stuff. Certainly, Chathamos had that for more than ten years now, but that's not a that's not the kind of thing that will be widely deployed in, in North America for backup you know backup situations. So, you know that that's why for outside of the in route charging, I'm a big believer in AC. And that's why we really focused in on mass electrification, having good, solid options for AC charging. And that's really what's different than, sorry, uh, than the NAC standard. Next standard didn't, the next st- uh, spec published by Tesla didn't really get into any of that. Not that it disallowed it. Um, it it just, just didn't, it just it, didn't address it at all. It didn't just didn't address it. Yeah. So that's really where the SAA standard is different, primarily on the AC side. There are some small, you know, there are some minor, minor technical differences. Like one of the things that's an option in Next is having a button on the cord, not that makes a latch, not like j 772 the button to stop charging. How does that work on AC and DC charging? It's a little different. It's not required that you have a stop button. But it's an option for both AC and DC. And so one of the things you'll notice about CCS today is if your connector's locked, you have to go touch on the screen to get uh-huh. the stop. Maybe have a stop button in your car. Maybe not. But once the connector is you can't push the thing down. So a lot of next things are going to have a kind of a push to make a disconnect request on the connector. No, I'm assuming the way that's going to work is if you have your vehicle locked and someone just walks by and pushes the button, it is going to ramp down. But then if you never unlock, it probably just then keeps charging after like a minute or two. I don't know exactly how that implementation will work. So in case people just go by and push your button or something. Or maybe you have to have your doors unlocked and then you press the button or I don't know. But essentially, um, you know, (coughs) there's, there's still minor details like that kind of stuff then I think you're going to see some next AC products coming out without a push-to-stop button, and some will have it. And so there'll be some differences there. Tesla stations are going to all have them in both cases, I think. But again, that, that's that's kind of where we are. There's a lot of discussions in uh, the standard about you know whether we, we're going to have more revisions of the standard with regards to safety for AC-DC pin sharing performance requirements, connector testing, just nothing really changing fundamentally what it is in the future revisions of the standard, but really just getting it to be more, you know, just more standards stuff. Basically having things be more compliant and more performance requirements and safer and things like that. Um, Um, One other thing I wanted to ask you about was the communication side of this,
0: because... Obviously, chargers and vehicles have to talk to each other, uh, <clears throat> and I know that in seventeen seventy two and CCS there, there's the standards, there's uh, the communication protocols. Has how, how has that been incorporated into thirty four
4: hundred? There's a lot. Uh, there's no one re- re- requirement for communications. It's it's pretty. Um, open we might say why why well there's a lot of things that don't that aren't finished and worked out about communications like we don't have plug-and-charge in north america and it's not because we don't have technical standards it's because we don't have um it's because we don't have business arrangements that allow them and we don't have ways to authenticate drivers across the whole spectrum right like how does ChargePoint know you're a Ford customer? How does, you know, GM know you're a Tesla customer, right? So those kind of issues have to be solved to make things like plug and charge work. And that's outside of my uh, task force. That's on That's ongoing within the SAE ITC group. And I think there are going to be some announcements on that next year. I think you've had a number of OEMs make movements there. Um, And and you'll see those press releases on that topic uh, next year, and that should move that along. But in terms of communication, um, pretty much anything that's a standard that's published on communication that's compatible with CCS and next systems is is allowed. Um, So there, there are, you know, there are vehicle to load communication things in there. There's, you know. Some fifteen eleven eight stuff in there. There's other communication protocols. Um, we're not in a position to be picking favorites at this point, um, because I don't think anything has established itself as a recommended practice that kind of like it kind of works. Everyone kind of knows that things need to be in our uh, interoperable, and they want that kind of experience. Uh. There have been... There, there are a couple of minor differences in 3400 that should make um, it a little more reliable. Um, especially for smart AC charging. Like any kind of smart communication around AC charging, there are some additional things that are allowed in 3400 that are different than sort of the way we've been doing them, and that's to make them more reliable. Um but on communication on the communication side basically anything that's like published and out there pre-existing is allowed okay like your 15118 stuff and there there's other you know sep2s in there there the lin cp there are other communication standards that are i know a lot of OEMs are doing vehicle deck stuff and i can that can you know, like I got six companies doing three different things, yeah. So that I can think of. So there's not there's not one thing that they're all doing on that front. Okay. So I think a lot of people would like to say, oh, if you just call out fifteen eleven eight, everything's done and finished. No. <laughs> no, not that they, something. They they don't the AC plug in charge doesn't even really see deployment usage in Europe. So and there the government just has flat out mandated it for years. Mm. So that's not it, it's not from a want of it's not from a want of trying that we're not, you know, seeing progress there. It's because the communication just calling out a standard doesn't it's not like magic sprinkle dust you can put on top of things and have it work. Um like new standards like 15118-20 that were published a lot of people talk about Dash 20 doesn't even have the interoperability test published for it yet. Dash 21. So there's like a lot of things. They haven't even, they had the first testable involving it in November. How could we be putting it as requirements and documents? Right. Right. They haven't even begun. So as your char in industry cheerleader, typical nonsense, people will, you know, talk up all that stuff. But at the end of the day, it's, uh, um, People are just trying to achieve basic functions that are reliable rather than going for, like, you know, pie for the sky stuff.
0: All right. Well, I really appreciate all the, the time you've given me. This has been great explainer on all this.